Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with, super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this. It's so good for my digestion my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life. And ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it. And I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens. But I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste. And the taste is actually really refreshing. And I really look forward to it each morning. Don't don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good. Um, and it's good for you. So remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible. Just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer and he had he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meats, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, Liquid Death Water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Three, Fucking check. radio show. Yes, I did.
dude. Of course he's going to sound good. Did I have you on the radio show? Perfect. I got tattooed at a radio show oh, at 6 in the Tuesday? by one point. <laughs> I got a portrait of my son. I'm going to talk about it. It's really? Yeah. yeah, dude. Okay. 6 in the morning. 6 in the morning. All right, this is it. Hang out. That was the best part of the radio show. That was super sick. Tattooing people. At 5 in the morning. Max, you have to get out if you're going to talk because I'm about to go live, okay? Yeah, no, but don't just. Why don't, can't Max talk? Well, just uh, he has to talk on the mic. Otherwise, I'm, my editor's going to freak gonna out. It's going to be annoying. Just hear like your editor in the background. Hey, <laughs> he just broke it. He just broke your on air. I'm not. I, I am recording right now. I'm going to leave this shit in here. He broke your on air sign just to let you know. <laughs> Max, please get out my, my DIY pocket. Please Look at leave it. here. This is a number one podcast on Pico. <laughs> That's nice, okay, Max, kick rocks. Go, go get better. Go rest in the room and drink your water. Max, it's good to Close see you. Close the door, too, man. I've always Keep been a big fan in. of you, Max. Close that door, man. Come okay. on. Dude, this is such a great intro. Max, when he was a baby. <laughs> I know, dude. I did. This motherfucker's we, been around. We, yeah, shut the yeah, door, man. Sh- shut it, man. But, Max, you hear still the barking. Remember, uh, he used to, uh, he wanted to see, uh, who did he like? Booty in the Bluefish. Justin Bieber. Yes. Ah, yes. And Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. You made that happen. Yes. He used to like to come to the show. Dude, we're so respectful. <laughs> Such a good kid. All the phases of Max's life, and 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 um, this one seems to be the craziest of the phases. <laughs> the little I've gathered since I've been here, but always, I mean, he, when he was, he brightened up when he saw me. Hey, he and that made my day. Thank you, man. Nice. Really did. We need to do the intro now because we're already talking. Yeah. Um, welcome to the One Life for Chance podcast. I got my brother, Mr. Derek Green, next to me. Thank you for being here, Derek. What's up? What's up? How you doing, I man? Like for, I think moving forward, we don't have to be close, so close to the mic because your voice is so powerful. Oh, what are you saying? So I back know. up the yeah, mic back, now? It's a little bit, yeah, because your voice is so amazing. Let me hear now. Hello, hello. No, I get a little closer. You sound good, Something though. Oh, come on, you, you're such a You have such a voice and face for radio. What do you do for <laughs> your voice? Uh, it's just naturally this way. No, naturally, but yeah. do you do anything? Do you take care of it in any way? I... I don't drink alcohol. That helps yeah, a lot because that, that, that dries your, it up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It shrinks your vocal cords. Me too. I'm but, there too. But tea is nice, you know. Every now and then. <laughs> Dicky loves tea. Yeah. Ask me just for some black tea. Let oh, me introduce okay. Dicky first, okay? Because yeah, we're, yes. we're getting crazy. Please, yeah. Okay, my guest today is a friend for many, many, many years. This guy taught me so much about being in a band. It took my band on a tour. We'll get into all that. Wow. And uh, a great fucking human, a big part of my life. We have matching band tats. Uh, Mr. Dickie Barrett, thank you for being here. Yeah. My pleasure, Toby. It's great to see you. We've been uh, threatening each other to do this for years. <laughs> this has been looming for a long time, since you started. Four and wow. a half years ago, yeah, yeah, man. I think you called me after your first one. I started Probably. a podcast. I go, well, let's get some... Uh, Let's get some legs first. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> just well, I mean, I was just looking at the I'm other just day. kidding. Who the hell am I? But Tim, Arm- Tim Armstrong was my sixth episode. Really? Yeah. And like the only interview was done in 20 years, and I'm really proud of that. But that was like the sixth one. Yeah, he I, I heard that, about. and I, I said, I'm not going to be your seventh. <laughs> <laughs> he was the first non-family member on the podcast. <laughs> nice. Um, well, I, this I, is kind I, of a thrill, though, too, with Derek here. Yeah. I mean, this oh, is, thank you. Green. I appreciate yeah, that, man. This is some Bad powerful respect. punk rock right two, now. Two different Let's worlds. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I met you, but I do remember this moment where H2O played the Wetlands. That's um, that's where we met. That's and, exactly and where we I was going to ask. That. And he had come to the show. I didn't really know him, there, but he had come to the show, seen us play. I don't know what show it was. And that following Monday, we got a call from somebody saying that Dickie was at the show. He liked the band. He liked to give us some shows. Wow. I what came year to was the that? show because I ran into Freddie on the street. Freddie Mabel? Yes. Yeah, they played, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. So I th- believe that. Or Freddie said, you know, you got to check out this band H2O. Oh. Thank you, Freddie. And Freddy. I said, uh, 
I love checking out new bands, and I came, and I was blown away. Absolutely blown what away. What year was this around? Loved H2O. 95 or 6, man. Okay, all right, all right. It had to be before the first album. Yeah. Because I was on the first album, right? You're right, so it was like 95, 94, 95, yeah. yeah. And, and so, yeah, just like that, it happened naturally like that. It was really fucking awesome, man. And then we hit the road, and like we crazy. had a blast, didn't we? Yes, we went everywhere. He took us on some of our best tours to the best audiences and really showed us how to be a professional band, getting there on time, doing a soundtrack, uh, the way he treated us with your catering, just everything. And then being with Boston's during that time, and then even up to when Let's Face It blew up, and you guys are all the television, you're the exact same dudes, and like they really taught us a lot, man. For Thank sure. you so much. You guys were still the same people. Th- even now? Yeah, for sure. He's got longer hair, the more grayer. <laughs> After you guys got the pickle out of the band. All the television and all the other picking. stuff, you feel like I'm still the same guy? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I just cut in. Like, of course you get to pick the one band. It was like a one special one moment. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, they didn't like it that we right, were picking our own bands. And a lot of times, the record label, right, or the, right. you know, the you should take out be. the powers that be. You should take out some bands from They're your drawing. label. You know, the bands already are drawing people, you know. Yeah, and it's like you guys have got some juice, so maybe you could spread that around with our label. But I was uh, more into, I I loved going to see live music, and I loved, you know. And plus, we're on the road, so you, you meet some people, and you go, okay, I'm going to be out for two or three months. You don't want to be out with dipshits. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I met Toby, and, yep. and in that instance, I actually changed my rule, and I said, I'll take this dipshit out. <laughs> 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 you, me- you remember when management and labels were like, what's their sound scan? Like, oh, how are they doing for a week? Oh, yeah. Should we yeah. take them on tour because their sound scan? Their not- sound scan, yeah. Yeah, and all of that. Yeah. None of that ever mattered to us. Yeah. That. Plus that, we were always we would always strike our drums and, you know. You would do wow. that. Give you room up on the stage and that kind of thing. What was That's interesting amazing. about that is going on another tours after that that didn't do that. We're like, oh, this isn't normal. This is not the normal thing to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, Stop <laughs> taking somebody's drums down. Hey, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, what the fuck but are you, you doing? Have, but you have like two feet to like jump back and forth on stage. Because yeah. Because bands wouldn't do that. Yeah. That's such yeah. a strange. But I get like. Especially, you know, my drum, my son's super angry about his drums, like sharing your drums and moving your drums. I get it, but like even just push it back a teeny bit. I don't know. It's kind of weird. For us, we were a nine-piece band. Yes. So like that the Wu-Tang. Like we, the Wu-Tang. We tried to, you know, get that started. Maybe if it became a thing, strike the drums because it would really work for us. So if we had to play in front of somebody's drum set, then it was, it was a disaster. <laughs> we had a dancer, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> Where the hell is he going to dance? <laughs> I was just thinking right now about the Wu-Tang, actually. not joking about how big that band was. Yeah. And then you, you as well. Like I'm trying to think other artists that had that many people that were like... They didn't every, have any equipment. But, but everybody know. had their own... Yeah, they didn't have drums up there. <laughs> no, nah, that's true. Yeah. I'm Turn sure they, tables, they have right? live bands now, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever seen Wu-Tang play? Many yes. times. Yes. Many times? Yes, many times. <sighs> and just recently, too, with Nas and uh, Buster Rhymes last it was year. amazing. It was incredible. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Why you think you heard otherwise? Is is uh, ODB's son up there? Yes. Yeah, I and met it, that kid, and he's oh, killing wow. it. He's yeah, killing it. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how he sounds and looks just like him and stuff on stage. Yeah, it's I don't crazy. think I've ever seen him. I may have seen him once, but I don't. It didn't really. I it was on a festival or something. Yeah. So. Um, another another thing I like about this podcast is how you think you know somebody and you do a deep dive about them and you find out things you thought you knew because I thought you were like born and bred in Massachusetts. Come to find out, you're from Rhode Island. I'm Ooh. from Providence, Rhode Island, but I told you that early on because you're from Rhode Island too. Right? I lived in Newport. Yeah, I lived in Massachusetts and Newport, Rhode Island. But you were born there. I always thought you was born in Mass for some reason. I don't know. Now people think that my father was grew up in Providence, the Blessed Sacrament, sacri- 
Blessed Sacrament neighborhood. That was his parish, and that's where he went to elementary school. And then he went to, uh, what was it called? What was this high school? Holy Cross High School? Holy Cross, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, Holy Cross High School. And uh, then and my uncle was the chief of, of the fire department, of the entire fire department. And he, wow. was, and he was head of the paramedics. Wow. He became a paramedic when... Um, that sh- that he, you're too young, probably, Toby, but there was a show called Emergency. <laughs> I am too young. Yeah, so Emergency was like, you remember One Item 12? Yep. Yes. There was another show called Emergency, it was, and it was about a paramedics team. But before Emergency came on the air, there wasn't really you know universal or nationwide paramedics units. So that show came up, and then other fire departments were like, well, maybe we should have one of these paramedics things. So it was basically an ambulance that was, you know, part of the fire department and that was my uncle what my uncle did for years and he used to be on the news on in providence all the time like if there was some big crazy crash out on 95 and you know so he became sort of a celebrity and was a paramedic till he retired in years and it really messed up his brain really yes he saw a lot of shit ptsd all kinds of shit yeah he had that he had wow Ah, sweet, sweet guy in my namesake. In my namesake. His name was uh, Richard Barrett as well. Wow. Yeah. And you have siblings too? I do. My brother Billy, a year older, and uh, my sister Kathy. When I say a year, it's like 11 months. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's Irish twins, and my, and my sister was 11 months younger. And how was that? How was that grew up in, uh, in Providence? Well, we, How long were you there for? Not long. We were in Cumberland and Cranston, and then oh, Cranston. Before I even went to school, then we moved to Norwood, Massachusetts. And how, why'd you end up there? Which I called my hometown, because my mother found a house there that she could afford. Yeah, and she was from Rentham, Massachusetts, not too too far. And her sisters lived in Needham and uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts. She had to be near them, and. Um, it was a nice time to grow up in. Norwood's a nice time to grow up in. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, when we were driving here, I, I was um, probably the most famous thing from Norwood right up until um, Moderna. The, that, that was created there? F- yes. Moderna's oh, there. Wow. Moderna wow. moved into, um, I think it started in Cambridge. And um, then it got very popular, very big recently. And they moved into Norwood in what was the Kodak uh, factory, the old Kodak oh, company. Wow. Yeah. So we grew up where they would have the uh, instant film company. Yeah. We've all taken Polaroids. Kodak, oh, yeah, for them. sure. So now you're the number two from Providence. Yeah. Now, so now it's Moderna, <laughs> Dickie, in my hometown of Norwood, Massachusetts. Um. Was your parents pretty strict growing up? Because you're Irish Catholic, we go to church and all that stuff. And my mother kept a you know good eye on us, and she was, you know, we probably had to be in the house earlier than the other kids. But I wouldn't say strict. And she was great, great mother. She was really good to us. And uh, father was, you know, my dad, and I love him dearly. But uh, he was a character for sure. Yeah, he was the Irish guy. Yeah, my mother was of German descent. Oh wow! Yeah. And um, how were you, how were you as a kid, like before you found music and stuff like that, just as a student or just? Uh, I was interested in drawing pictures and art and sort of um, that kind of thing. So I was I was doing my own thing, and then I sort of, wrong, rightly or wrongly, I learned early on that oh, adults don't know shit, and then, 
<laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, yeah. I'm not proud of that. And I was yeah. sort of that kind of guy. And, and me and my brother were hellions, but I don't think we really kept it, you know, wasn't around the house. You're outside in the streets until the streetlights came on and shit that like that. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you into uh, any sports or anything like that? I was no? horrible at sports, but I loved them. <laughs> okay. My, my brother was an exceptional athlete. But, okay. But I you was tried. Baseball or... Yeah, I was, you know, I like to play second base, but they usually put me in the outfield. And, um, you know, I'd end up drawing pictures in the dirt and shit out there. <laughs> I would do the same shit. Out in right field. <laughs> I'd be so bored. I'd be drawing yeah. pictures out there. Too, the, I was so bored. I tried too, man. I like the whole idea of it and everything and being on a team. Wow. Played hockey as a kid, all that kind oh, of you Massachusetts were, uh, stuff. Yeah. I didn't tell you, I didn't know that you were, you tried. I tried playing baseball. Yeah, as a kid, of course. My mom put me in all the sports. I didn't like them, but I tried. Yeah. How about yourself, Derek? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Full on. Right up to high school? Yeah. I mean, I was really, I I was a big kid. So every, you know, every coach dreamed. They were like, yo, you got to play football. Yeah. And I was playing for this Catholic school, defensive end. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they found out I wasn't Catholic and then I got kicked off. (laughs) No way. And then I was just like, I hate church and uh-huh. i hate football and i was dang radically pissed after that yeah like fucked with my head did you love playing football i loved it like yeah. my coach is like you have so much heart man you go after it yeah. that coach is now at usc and he told me years later he was like yo three people from that team your school went on to the nfl and you were better than that yeah wow Derek. and i was like you just weren't shit. catholic yeah, I just yeah. wasn't Catholic. But I mean, that's kind of crazy. It's man. crazy, but I think it kind of saved my head. Yeah. You know, because, mm. I mean, there's so, I mean, NFL is like really, it stands for like not for long. Yeah. Anything could have happened. You know, right. like bashed in the head so many times and you ever it's seen, dangerous. You, you ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? I love it. Do you feel like Uncle Rico? A little bit. Like you would have, could have, should So not living out of a van, but I mean. I had the career in football, but like you blew it. I had career. <laughs> um, so, Dickie, what about like your exposure to music and stuff like that? Like, what was the kind of stuff where your parents listened to music in the house or? Yeah. Yeah. And, and me and my brother did. We we chased it and found rock and roll. Jay Giles' band. Aerosmith. Okay. Jay Giles. Early sick. on, yeah. Jay Giles was. And probably hugely influenced, you know, influenced me when it came to the Boss Tones too. Big band, lots of, lots of members. Yeah, nobody sense. ever mentions them on the podcast right. ever to this day. Nope. And they had so many bangers. Oh yeah, yeah. great yeah. songs, unbelievable. Where were they from? Yeah. They were from Boston. I did not really? know. I, did not. Yes. I had no idea. Me either, wow. dude. Yes, they were. All I know is saw the them at my high school, <laughs> wow. Severian Brothers High School. They played, That's amazing. They played dude. the gym. It was the. Uh, I think the first concert I went to was Thin Lizzy and uh, yeah, Fire. and the Outlaws, and then then concert at the high school that I wasn't even going to the high school yet. I think I was still in junior high. It was a Catholic high school called Severian Brothers, and they played there and uh, blew my mind. You know, completely blew my mind. And, and they were huge in Boston. They mm-hmm. had that live Boston record, "Blow Your Face Out." I think half of it was recorded in D- Detroit, wow. where they were huge too. And the other half was recorded in Boston and loved him. And then became friends with Peter later on, you, you know, when I had some success. Yeah. As, you know, two Boston guys. And w- it was a thrill for me to know him right. and, to, you know, hang out and tell him how important that Jay Giles stuff was. And, and he's a terrific songwriter, really, really good entertainer. He just killed it. You yeah. Know? A lot of the stuff he did, like he would, it, when I saw Jay Giles and I saw him a bunch of times, he would always introduce the band, 
like this is you know it's very important to know that this is magic dick playing the harmonica you did that too and this is yeah. jay giles on the guitar like all you knew all the members you know yeah seth cool. justman i always loved that yeah me too and, and the boston yeah. did that as well man yeah well that i stole it from him okay nice. <laughs> that's what i'm nice. saying um, <laughs> like jay giles weren't they like head neck and neck with like huey lewis in the news like I maybe think huey lewis, like kind of like bit come the 80s yeah but, but we were sort of into them in the 70s before Ah, before like Angel okay. is a centerfold, great right. song, yeah, 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 those those big ones. But uh, those are banger. yeah, we liked like huge. you know Must Have Got Lost and Southside Shuffle. They had this, like I said, they had this live album that everybody, every kid in Massachusetts had called Whoa. Blow Your Face Up. Um, did you start going to punk shows in high school as well? Or was it after punk shows senior year in high school? Yeah, and that was a story that I told a thousand times when I was at the Punk Rock Museum. <laughs> Two weeks ago, but not on this podcast, so it doesn't matter. No, so I will. So I'll tell you now. <laughs> That's why. So, Exclusive. so I should be able to tell it well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that um, uh, Al Lethal, Al from uh, Al Burrell from SSD, and um, Jack Kelly, who's Choke. Wow. He was in Negative Effects at the time. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, then Slapshot, but they were on. Um, Emerson College Radio, W E R S, and the state and the shows that we, me and uh, my friend Mark Higgins, who you know Higgs. Yep. Shout out to Higgins. Yeah. Shout out to Higgs. Uh, we would listen to this these two punk rock shows, hardcore shows, like, and one was called Faster Faster Than You, and the other one was called um, Unsafe at Any Speed. They were okay. these two punk hardcore shows, and we'd listen to them half an hour shows, but four hundred songs in half an hour. And uh, so all of a sudden, one episode, uh, Al and Jack were on the show. Yeah. And we didn't know who they were, but there was two guys on there going, you know, cutting up and everything going, we're starting a scene <laughs> coming this weekend. Come into Boston. Yeah, we're going to start a scene. If you live in the suburbs and you're listening to us and me and Higgs are looking at each other, we live in the suburbs. We'll listen to this. <laughs> Gallery East, this Sunday, come in. You know, the scene has begun. You'll be, we we got to be there. I don't know what a scene is. Yeah. But if this music is involved, we're going to be there. And we showed up, and uh, we were part of the Boston scene. Wow. Boston Just like crew. that. Just like the that. Wolves, yeah. We answered the, the call. We called ourselves the Wolf Pack. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. So you're the, the, wolf, you're in the, the original, original Wolf Pack. You're in the original Pack. pack. Yes, the DYS wow. song, yes. Bro, did not I, know that. Right? Yes. Yeah. Kids have their say wolf pack, yeah. Absolutely, that. and that, what what you got as being part of the scene is like, if Al's van pulled up and they were going somewhere on tour or anything, and you could get in the van, you could. Like, yeah. like I did that, we went down to CBGB's in like 1982 <laughs> for the Bad Brain show. Oh, you know those Christmas shows? Yeah. Bad Brains at CBGB's? <laughs> Went down there, uh, SSD opened up one of those shows, you know, met like a bunch of the New York guys, Harley Flanagan and a bunch of the, you was know. Was that intimidating? Because there was also Boston Rivalry too, right? It hadn't really started yet okay. Okay. at that okay. point. It okay. got going a little bit after that. We went down with our, you know, with our band. So we didn't know much about, you know, like we knew about DC and uh, some of the New York stuff, but it wasn't as prominent as say you know black flag circle yeah. jerks minor threat you know it's, and we, we certainly knew our own bands for sure so i remember uh i don't know if other members of the crew had met but i remember meeting harley and go whoa you know it's 
tiny kid with a demon tattooed on his chest, <laughs> like greeting us, ah, shot out Badass. of a cannon coming at us, and that, and that um, that CBGB show, the Bad Brains, were insane. Oh man, I can't even imagine. So so good in their prime. Uh, yeah. In the, in the prime, prime. Like, I think yeah. there's a video of that too. Like the crowd is. There's going, a very famous video. The one everybody stage bomb run, rushing across the stage and stuff. All of that. CBGB's yeah. live at CBGB's Dude. 1982, and uh, at the end of that video, there's footage of uh, me shaving my friend Punky's head on the on the stage of CBGB's. Something, wow. Because we were, you know, we were part of the crew. Damn. But I, yeah, it was quite an amazing show and was your brother into it too as well my brother had his own thing going he was into boston music and boston but it was he was more into the boston garage rock scene mm -hmm. he didn't he didn't really kind of you know jibe with the hardcore scene but every, you know all the hardcore guys jake and every, everybody knew billy billy was doing his own kind of thing musically yeah yeah so you end up you definitely graduate from high school right because you end up going to college well you know it's that's a little blurry <laughs> Is there a piece of paper? Who knows? I, uh, I'll tell you this. I was at the graduation. Oh, you were there. Okay. Yeah, I was at the finish line. Right. But is, <laughs> if we check the credentials, who knows? I did end up having to go to uh, to get a, um, what do they call that? If you get a... GED? GED. Oh, okay. After Somerville High School, I had to go to get Somerville. the GED. Wow. Yeah. And what like was your... Five years, five years later. What was your major in college? Art. Drawing, illustrating, drawing pictures, nice. that kind of thing. And I did really well. I enjoyed being, uh, when it was Bunker Hill Community College. Yeah. Which is the college from uh, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, shit. Mm. Not Harvard. Okay. The other one the, the, that uh, Robin yeah. Williams worked at. Okay. Yeah. So. And that's where you met Joe Sorois too as well in college. Joe Sorois, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Were you in a band at that point before any the, of that? Yeah. Well, I was an impact unit. Yeah, I know that. We're going to tell as you. As you remember. And Cheapskates. Cheapskates before that. Yeah. Right. That was a, a, kind of a bunch of the hardcore kids put together a ska band. Chris Darty from Gang Green. Yes. And uh, the guys from, a couple of the guys from Stranglehold. And who else was in that band? Uh, guys from another ska band called, uh, gosh, I can't remember what they called themselves. But, but JG, who ended up being a Boston, was in that yeah. band. And uh, Ted, Ted Benjamin played bass. I need to remember the name of that band. Ah. That's okay. But, um, yeah. but one of my first punk shows was seeing your band. I have the flyer. It's Impact Unit Proletariat Auto Rich and Verbal Assault. I don't know where it was. I had the flyer forever. I checked all night long with my wife. I have all my flyers saved, but I'm going to find it. But it, it was my first punk show, and your band played. Wow. And no. you, you only played a handful of shows, supposedly, Impact yeah. Unit. About five shows. And uh, I was at one of them. That's right. incredible. And I was like, that had been like 83 or something. I was like 13 or something. That's, right. that's insane. My Were you impressed? Show, what? Were you impressed? I, I probably didn't realize it until later on in life that that was your band that I saw because I didn't realize you had a, that was your band. You know what I mean? That yeah. You, yeah. It was a great show. It was like, yeah. And I, it was like local local bands for me. Mm -hmm. you know? I hadn't seen any out-of-town bands yet. It was like, I put, it was Lupo, it was a living room or something like that. But yeah. Whoa. So were, you, were you always like, you wanted to sing? Was that something that... I you... wanted to be involved in music. I wanted to... I didn't really think I could sing. Okay. Certainly not. I liked writing lyrics. I liked poetry. I liked the whole idea of being in a band. Uh -huh. I, um, I didn't really do the... take. You know, take the steps that people take, like learn an instrument and mm -hmm. to be in a band. But I, I certainly liked being part of Boston punk rock scene, music scene, hardcore scene. And um, it seemed like... 
I, I was brave enough to front a band. I see. Yeah. That kind of thing, whatever my tools were. So it, it, like, this said, give me that mic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Move um, over. The Impact Unit was uh, My Friend the Pit. That was 83, but it didn't come out until 89. What, what, what was that for? Oh, it did come out. I think it came out in Europe first. First, okay. Yeah, it came out in Europe wow. early on. And then I think we actually, the Boston's put it out on the Boston's big rig label okay. years after that. But um, it's funny because I, I when I was with Fat Mike in Las Vegas, Fat Mike was telling me how no effects covered uh, the song Night Stalker off of that EP. Wow. Early on, so he had he had a he said he had a demo. That's crazy. I had a demo, and I no effects would cover Night Stalker. So he's telling me this while he's giving me a tour of the punk rock museum, Mike. And standing next to me is this guy Mark. Yeah. And Mark is an artist, and he has an he's gonna Mark uh, DeSalvo. Yeah, but don't don't step on my story here. Tom. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I just know who he is. Okay. <laughs> you just, I, don't, I don't know the story. You just, I know. All over uh, he's a good person. That's why. All right. So Mark's a good guy. And his, and his last name is DeSalvo. Okay, give him love. So yeah. it's as Fat Mike's telling me that they covered Night Stalker, I said, oh, that, that song's about a, about serial killers and, and mass murderers. And I wrote it when I was in high school. And at some point in the song, I mentioned the Boston Strangler. And I say the Boston Stranger's name wrong. I mispronounce it in the song. And I told him that. He goes, oh, really? And I go, yeah, his name's DeSalvo. And, it's, and I pronounce it DeSalvio. And as we're having this conversation, Mark's standing next to us. And he's getting uncomfortable. He's kind of looking at his shoes and shuffling around. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And he goes, well, my last name's DeSalvo. And I go, you don't mean to tell me. He goes, well, it's not, it's not clear, really. My grandmother used to say, and my grandfather never even talked about him. What? And I go, are you related to the Boston Strangler? And he goes, there's some speculation. <laughs> <laughs> he kept like kind of avoiding it. And I go, Let, all right, let's calm down. Everybody calm down here. He goes, my grandmother used to say that, you know, our last name's DeSalvo, so we need to rise above it because of the... And then other members of the family would say, you know, he's an uncle. And, other, and then right there, I'd go, okay, you're related to the Boston Strangler. Wow. Officially. That was part of my tour every day. Holy shit. Because at the end of the tour, we come to his gallery, which was hanging up in the chapel at the Punk Rock Museum. And, and his, he's famous for like um, Heavy Petting Zoo, the lag wagon, nerdy girl. Record but covers and stuff. Record yeah, covers, yeah. Okay. yeah. No use for a name. He did, and he's a terrific painter. Really, yeah. really good. And and he's done all these. They're iconic to people who love that, you know, fat record stuff or totally. that, that stuff. You've you've seen it. You know it. You go, holy shit. And he's the guy. So, you know, I'm doing this tour through the museum and I end up at the chapel. And every day I'd be like, and now we've got a very special treat. We're going to look at some of the artwork from the Boston Strangler's nephew. <laughs> <laughs> People are like what? <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Was he bumming about it? He was just laughing. Ah, uh, he was laughing. You know, but it was you know five or six tours of it. Wow! <laughs> this is, we got a very special treat, everybody. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Boston Strangler. This is his nephew, and this is his painting. He's never gonna live it down now. I said, well, that's who he is forever yeah, to me. Right. You know, um, you know me. All things Boston. <laughs> What about your exposure to like ska music? Like, was that a thing? Like, like how'd you get into that? Like, living in Boston. Um, I saw the English beat at the um, Paradise. Classic. 
uh, opening up for the Pretenders. Wow. wow. And we bought Pretenders tickets, Pretenders tickets and everything. And you didn't, Great I didn't know, you know, of course, yeah. love that Pretenders record. And there we were at the Orpheum Theater where I also saw the Clash play. And uh, that's no big deal. Up, up on uh, the opening act was the English beat and Ranking Roger came out and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and his feet were never on the ground. Just, I just couldn't, you know, if you got a picture, it was always, you know, airborne. Sick. Crazy. Loved the English beat. Loved Dave Wakeling. Loved the songs. Were so magical. Got the record the next day. And uh, it was a guy that came from uh, Roslindale. Moved into Norwood. Came to our suburban town. And Roslindale was a bedroom community of uh, Boston. Like in the very, very close to, you know, the city itself. And he came in and he was a little older than us and, and uh, insane. And he had all these punk rock records including all the Sky records. Yeah. And I gravitated towards those. I loved the special. You know, that's we would go to his house after school and go, all right, till we started going into Newberry Comics ourselves, me and Higgs, and getting our own records. But we would listen to his Ramones, Rocket, Rocket uh, to Russia, and he had them all. He yeah. had everything you wanted to hear. And that's I got an education real quick from mm -hmm. him. And I was only like uh, 16, 15 or 16 when that guy came to town and that changed my life. And then seeing the English beat play and I was like, that's it. I love that music. And yeah. I am a ska dude. And that kind of, that kind of inspired toxic toast. Uh, <laughs> yes, it did. You're right. Toxic toast. Well, toxic toast was, uh, me was my first apartment. Okay. Me, uh, Jake Phelps and Andrew Brady had an apartment that we weren't paying rent for, but it was on Queensbury street, which we called toxic toast and said this is you know this is our place and jake phelps went on to become the editor of thrasher magazine yes. yeah rest in peace rest in peace jake and but he was my first roommate and that's very crazy. close friend yeah and a very good guy I, I, I like jake and as troubled as his life was and and uh he always did it his way i mean he he went for it i remember when he said i'm gonna go to uh san francisco and work at Thrasher Magazine. I'm well, how's that? How are you going <laughs> to? People, people would say stuff to me like that. I'm like, oh, okay. And then the next thing I know, he's running the thing. Wow. Yeah. And That's that, fucking cool. It is cool. He was uh, from Marblehead, Massachusetts. Were there any other ska bands around in Boston at the time? That's I remember the name of that band. There was Mission, of po Mission Impossible. Yes, I remember that band too. Mission Impossible yep. was the, like kind of the first ska band. Maybe Bim Scala Bim was before them. Cool. And then there was a, another one. 007 was another band um, that had Sky influences for sure. Yeah. But those are the three that I remember. And then I think the Boss Tones came out next. People can argue. Uh, Jay Giles did Sky. Listen to uh, Give It To Me. The song okay. Give It To Me. An early. Because Peter Wolf, just like. Um, same thing happened in England, but Peter Wolf went to Jamaica early on in the '60s okay. and bought all these Sky records. So they were—he they, had huge Sky influences. Peter, and give it to me—you can hear it. it's like. Wow! I'm not going to do the whole song. No, you don't have to. Just do the guitar part. So for those of you who don't know what Sky sounds like, but when you guys come out, you guys playing punk shows because it wasn't like a big. Ska market, I guess, back then. He was kind of playing, because they knew you from Impact Unit, other bands you were in, right? So it's just like, here's my new band. We're playing more Ska vibes. It's um, just getting shows and shit. Well, 
cheapskates kind of we were playing because we were all hardcore kids that yeah, started, yeah, yeah. The, started the cheapskates from the original you know boston crew so there's you know we had that going so we were playing punk shows of course but and it's the same thing that was going on you know the original first wave of scott you know yeah S- selectors specials madness they all played with the punk bands too you know so yeah it wasn't wasn't that far but the boston's get credit for, for kind of starting the genre of ska core if you want to call it a genre i think we should we deserve credit for that i think that we coined that phrase mm-hmm. i don't think there was ska core before we named that record ska core the devil and more yeah and that's why i i uh, freely call myself the godfather of ska core because you for a couple of reasons <laughs> one no one else really wants to call themselves the godfather of ska core and two i think we came up with the name so but so many bands came from that after that. People, people call, yeah, it's fun to hear people go, huh, I'm in a ska core band, you know? <laughs> but there's like, yeah. Yeah. You guys like the, and OGs, I like, the originals. I, yeah, I like to go, well, I was in the very first one, my son. Are you, um, are you working a job and stuff while you're doing music at that point? Currently? Least? No, at that point. Back that's, then. that's defensive, Toby. No, no, back okay? then. <laughs> I'm a little down on my luck, but yeah, yeah, all right. I'm bagging groceries at uh, Whole Foods. I'm saying, I'm saying back then, was it like, All a, right, back was then, it a sorry. goal? It's like, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to do this. Or like, I'm just going to start a fucking band. I love this genre. Love this it music. was, you got to remember the times. Yeah. So there's no internet. True. Right. You know, video games were, you know, games. Pac-Man and yeah. Frogger, you know, it's like huge. great they games. Were, yeah. Yeah. They, they were great, but yeah. you didn't dedicate your life to it. True. Some people, yeah. yeah. Some people, yeah. <laughs> some people do, but they were disturbed. Those people for the most part. If you, if you were Pac-Man king. And they're still playing them. All right. Bless them. And for no offense. No offense. Pac-Man no, kings disrespect. Out there. no disrespect out there. to the world of Pac-Man. And frog. But I would, I would do a handful of quarters and I was out of the arcade. You didn't have it at your house. You, know? right. you, had, to, you had to go out to play yeah. Pac-Man. But so, like, what, what were your goals at that point, you think, in your life? What did you want to do? Were not you, not work. Yeah. Hang out, see music every single night. And music every single night was available. Yeah, right. for sure. You know, I'm a kid out of high school. And, I, and also, I didn't, you know. There was no pressure at home to get a real job and all that kind of but, shit. Uh, I think, you know, my mother would have liked me to have you know been in med school or something but you know that that bird had flown yeah and and then but you know what was offered to us and what we loved was live music Mm -hmm. and you had to be there you had to go you had to you know it wasn't you know i could just look at it on the internet or on my phone or anything like that you showed up you showed up and it was every night in boston at that time you could you know see a band in Cambridge, you know, whip across town to the, the Rat and Kenmore Square and see a band there and then head down to, there was tons of venues, tons of bands. It was college town. So we yeah. were feeding that too, feeding that beast. And it was wonderful. It was where we wanted to be. That's where I wanted to do. So yeah, I worked a job at the Super Salad in Kenmore Square, but you know, that was just so I could, you know, buy beer at the venues where yeah. i could see live music of these of what i consider to be the greatest bands ever and we can talk about you know the dogmatics the prime movers all these tremendous very diverse very different you know in the hardcore scene was one thing but then there was the del fuegos then there was you know the outlets were an incredible pop punk band that you know to me blew the 
doors off of everything that came a- after that. When wow. you saw the outlets, it was uh, outlets was Ricky Barton and his brother Dave who fronted that band. And Ricky Barton went out on to he started the Dropkick Murphys with Ken Casey. Oh wow, he's that guitar player. Okay, yeah. So, but they were outlets were an incredible band that you just I couldn't get enough of. Mm-hmm. And and you know the list goes on. There was a band called Scruffy the Cat that I loved and had to see. My brother was in a band called Chainlink Fence that had some recognition. They toured with um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers early on. Oh, wow. Yeah, early on. If I run into Chili Peppers to this day, they'll go, hey, how's Wild Billy doing? It's like, <laughs> That's awesome. Early, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look at me funny like, hey. You know, like my brother was nuts. He was a wild kid? He was. He went for it. Um, what about the transition from Toxic Toast into the Mighty Mighty Boston's? So, so, like, you got to remember, Toxic Toast never played a show. That wasn't anything. Okay. That Toxic to, it was Impact Unit played about five shows. Cheapskates played maybe ten shows. All kinds of Curtis from Tang was pushing Tang records, that whole yeah. thing, putting it all together, and that was a huge interest to his. And we played on uh, on that Emerson College radio station that i mentioned earlier yeah. WERS. we played live on that and the shows were a mess the shows were completely <laughs> complete mess we were we were drunk by the time we loaded in wow and we were, we just okay. were nuts all over the stage and other bands were like what the hell is going on here <laughs> there's a big show that we played at a church in cambridge that a uh, young joe gittleman and young nate albert came to and they were blown away by it. And they were like, we want to be in a ska band. And they started playing together, Joe playing bass and Nate Albert playing guitar. And then when the Chiefs, I don't even want to say broke up because it just sort of fell apart. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, and uh, they were like, do you want to sing for this band? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't, you know, I've done that. And they're like, oh, you know, please. And then, and then I came to their practices and I liked what they were doing. They had, we got this drummer from Brookline High School. His name was Josh Dalsmer, and he played with us, and uh, and so the Boston's were born. Wow. I know you didn't ask that question. No, I love that. <laughs> I need that. Dovetailed into it. I love that. Was okay, that, was that? the name. Yeah, come with the name. The Boston's? Probably me. I think we had some other bad ideas before, like the Cashmere's, or the, there was some other things we were bouncing around, but we were, you know, like most boston a-holes we were super proud of our town we're from boston we're from boston (laughs) yeah yeah we had to let people know and then the name boston was taken so (laughs) so we bastardized the word we called ourselves the bostons first and then we uh, curtis was going to put out a record and we're like oh shit um we found out that there was another band that in the right. 50s that called themselves right. the oh, Boston's. Wow. That makes sense. Uh, and they were like a Harvard acapella doo-wop yeah, band. Yeah, that's what I imagine. It's like Boston. Yeah. We're the Boston. <laughs> the right. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> 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 we are the Boston's from Cambridge. <laughs> 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 but they're so hard. I love that. That's it. So I, we didn't know what they did. I think they did have a, uh, they had a song. <laughs> if you look it up, it's called Mopity Mope. And I don't know how it goes really? or anything about it. Yeah. Mopity Moop, but it was released. <laughs> the thing we realize is they're from Harvard, so they probably have good lawyers. Right. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. So there was this bartender at this uh, place we used to play called The Rat, the very famous oh, yeah. Rat Skeller Club in Kenmore Square. Many times. And uh, 
that I grew up in. You know, I, I remember having, when I turned 21, I announced to uh, the rat, I'm 21! <laughs> and then the, all the door staff were like, you asshole, you've been drinking here for two years. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, like your CBGBs. That was definitely our CBGBs. Yeah. It was. It was just as disgusting. Wow. It was the yeah. two of them, but uh, it's a hard city to crack when you play. When you're coming from New York too, being the band it took us many times. Boston, to like, oh yeah, people arms crossed, <laughs> staring at you. It took a long time for us, but because you were trying rat. to crack it hardcore, right? You're trying to crack it punk. Yeah, very friendly. If you did, like we, the Boston's were like everybody comes to our shows. Yes, and that's the sort of thing we weren't trying to, you know, come one, come all, and that really has to do with the like, like we said, the bands that we took on the road. It would, mm. it didn't matter that you know. If you remember back in the day, it was like Shooty's Groove. You know? Oh, yeah. my We God. took them Shooty's out for the first time. Took out H2O for the first yeah. time. They would take out the pie tasters. The I pie mean, tasters yeah. a lot, yeah. We'd do Hepcat. Hepcat we took out on the road. But we'd go, you know, total chaos. We took those punks on the road. Uh, it's true, man. It was very diverse bill, man. Yeah. Royal Crown, Crown Review yes. was something, you know, so Dude, many. the Janice Landing shows in Florida. I, oh, my God. Those are great, weren't they? Ooh, the Florida shows, those yeah. runs we did with you, because it's hard to like really do good in Florida, at least coming from the yeah. scene we're in. But you guys do Florida. It was incredible. You always playing together. It was great, right. man. But well, yeah. it was because of the suits. People yeah. like, they thought <laughs> we dressed like <laughs> old gangsters. But you rocking the plaid first, and that was another thing people give you guys so much credit for, rocking the full plaid. Yeah, but... It had been done before? Bay City Rollers. Bay City, okay, okay. Right? You yeah. remember them, right? Yeah. Did Rod, uh, I think all plan. Rod Stewart and the Faces used to do it too. Mm. Those Scottish guys would. But really, nobody in that genre. No. Yeah. No, we, we kind of had a thing, and I, I think that comes from uh, two tone, the English two tone ska stuff too. They had the checkerboards. Yeah. And it was like you know. Yeah. Black and white unite. It was you know real cool concept. Had tons of meaning and tons of depth, and, we, and then we were like, everybody unite plaid yeah, it's yeah, yeah, so yeah. It was, that was sort of the thinking behind it and you know we wore it to you know an extreme for yeah. sure and I, th I think it started with um i wore uh my roommate's bathrobe to a boston <laughs> show nice plaid bathrobe it just caught on that was it, and it was yeah. That was my thing, and then I and then I, I think I started wearing pajamas too. Oh but yeah, it's well, comfortable. It was. It was I, real, I could see yeah. that. Had Boston's played a bunch of plaid pajamas, <laughs> and then right to bed after the show. Not the better. I'm sweaty and drunk. Yeah. Oh. Sweaty and drunk. Did Good Bo point, Toby. Had Boston's played a lot of shows before the first of the Devil's Night Out came out. Had you like built like a fan base in Boston, whatever? Not a ton of shows. Yeah, and and we were floored by how great the record come out and, and you can attribute that to joe gittleman who really knew what he wanted it to sound like yeah. and, and nate had a pretty good sense great players what, man what great musicians oh yeah yeah incredible they are virtuosos yeah the two of them was that their first kind of band too I think they may have done something else well joe was in gangrene for, oh, that's for right. a little while too right. remember damn yeah but the boston's were together and uh we recorded some stuff, and then then Chris Darty from Gang Green said, um, "You know, I want Joe Gittleman to play with Gang Green." And I was kind of bummed. I was like, "Ah, oh, shit," you know. Yeah. Because at that point, I was really enjoying playing with them, and I was like, "All right, Chris, but you know, take care of them." You know, 
my brother. Yeah. You know, he's, I really did consider him my brother, my kid brother. And, uh, Chris like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take care of him. And it, and it didn't last all that long. One record or maybe two records. And, uh, things moved so fast and then he fell in love with the guy that was playing bass for the DRI mm. at the, the guy named Josh Pepe I think it was DRI and um, you know kind of just cut Joe loose okay which broke my heart and you know kind of hurt Joe's feelings but Joe you know he sort of keeps it in eternalizes it and, yeah and I was super mad and I was like swearing vengeance I'm like don't worry Joe We'll get the boss tones back together and we'll be bigger and better and badder than gangrene ever, you know. Wow. Whoa. Idle threats. I had no idea whether it was. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to cheer him up. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And we did. And then we made Devil's Night Out. And it was Paul Coldry who ended up, who's the guy who produced Let's Face It as well. Wow. A bunch of Boston stuff. On a shoestring, like we had you know try to we recorded nine songs in like two days and around the clock and he was doing everything he could to make this happen for us this guy paul coldry was a really good guy he mostly partnered with paul coldry and sean slade and super famous for uh creep by radiohead wow okay yeah okay. they produced that and hole's first record lived through this they yeah they produced Amazing that album. too yeah wow yeah and they produced the Boston's Let's Face It. But we didn't have enough money to, to hire the team. So we just took for our first time. We were like, Paul, we can't pay you both. But it's like, all right, you pathetic little sky guys. <laughs> and Paul was in bands that uh, that we liked as part of that Boston scene, too. And, and Sean, Paul and Sean were in this band. I can't remember the it's going to be a whole podcast of me not remembering okay, the name man. of shit. People can fact check that shit. <laughs> but that, that record comes out. And it does a lot of information, though, right? Of course, yeah. Useless. Sure. And, and if I didn't store it away, who else would? Right. <laughs> There's people that have it, though, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, but that comes out, and that's a good response. Like It's like you're feeling like an official band. Well, everybody we were playing it for before it was actually released by yeah. Tang uh, was going oh my gosh what you know what is it it sounded cohesive it had jimmy on it too from awesome. murphy's law nice and um yeah so people were saying you're on to something here and it was it was us and it sounded like us and it said what we wanted to say and we were pumped yeah and then did you go on tour like for your first time with that album? yes with murphy's law oh, wow jimmy heard it and said well take you guys out and they were you know they'd been touring somehow for 20 years already we don't i don't know i don't know how the math works out but it'd been on the road you couldn't pull into a town with without people like flocking to their van like hey and so it was two that's incredible a cono line for we, we got a van i think just like theirs because we had to copy everything they did. It's like, all right, you know, Jimmy was like, we're taking you out now. Pay attention. Follow us. You know, watch what we do. It's like, okay, what do we... All right, they got one of those vans. We got to get one of those vans. They got a U-Haul trailer on the... We got to get one of those U-Haul trailers. And so there's two Econoline vans traveling around pulling these U-Haul trailers. Wow. The two of us. And a lot of times it was, you know, you pull into town. All right, where are we playing, Jimmy? Um... I don't know. We got to find a place to play. Okay. Oh All right. Spread out. <laughs> so come up with a gig. 
What are a phase of Murphy's Law that was in? Like, what albums have been out? Or that, I think Back with a Bong with oh, yeah. came out. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Banger. Bong, 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 bong. bong. <laughs> All the records, one of the most incredible frontmen in the world, man. Absolutely. To this day. To this yeah, day, yeah. man. Absolutely. Respect. Comedian, For everything, sure, man. man. The, bo- the best. Jimmy's right? solid, man. Shout out to him. Huge heart. Yes. yes. Right? Massive. If massive. Jimmy loves you, you're loved. It's For so sure, true. Man. Yeah. Very, very true. We, they took us on our first U.S. tour, the Beer and Water Tour in 1996. Like a full full U.S. tour. <laughs> the Beer and Water it was Tour. Incredible. We got matching tats on that, too. It was incredible, though. But yeah, like... Adam Blake had just come from Shelter. He was a monk. He was a Harry Christian. And Jimmy took him to his first strip club. And then Adam's life was <laughs> his life was ruined after that. After that, it was Jimmy over. destroyed Adam. <laughs> but Adam wanted to see the world. That's why he left that band to join H2O because yeah. he was very sheltered. No pun intended. But he came in H2O and was like Murphy's Law and Jimmy Rap Bones. It was the craziest tour. Oh, I remember Rap Bones. Uh, <laughs> but the, also the whole uh, the whole Boston, New York hardcore thing sort yes. of ended with me and Jimmy before he even recorded you know on the Devil's Night Out record New York came to Boston and they played at a, on Huntington Ave at a YMCA and I showed up like late to the show and New York was dominating like they would they came there to say this beef is over <laughs> Boston was like up against the walls and like really yeah wow. and Jimmy was you know like you know, it was just deep. A lot of people came out right. from New York. They came deep, and I did a stage dive and landed on some New York guys. And Jimmy said, "Oh, mistake!" And he, <laughs> <laughs> one thing led to another, and I got the hell out of there with a split lip. And I was like, "Wow!" I don't know what hit me. And, and they were like, "I'll tell you what hit you. His name's Jimmy." And uh, but from there, and Jimmy hates when I tell the story. Can't stand it. Because when he, t- like, I think I told it on a podcast, he was hosting it, and, and uh, no, Dickie, no, 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 we, I was hugging you. I was like, I was what like, was no, the <laughs> What was that, the problem with New York? It was like the Yankees versus the Sox? The Yankees, it? Boston. Yeah. I th- we went down to New York. Sport. To yeah. a Rock Hotel show. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were doing crazy stuff like we set a ladder up behind the pit and we're jumping off the ladder on people's backs and we just we were different we were doing this yeah it was different we were doing all different stuff we did this thing where the song would end and we would keep dancing that's pretty sick yeah it was like through the thing like that's awesome still slamming like new york's like what the fuck is this and then that's when new york came down back down to boston and said uh okay that thing with the ladder and the slamming between songs all right, it's that's not going to go on anymore. It's yeah, over. Yeah. It's over. The beef is over. <laughs> <laughs> and the message was sent loud and clear to me. Yeah. Not oh. long after that, we're singing a song together on my record. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Hugging it out. The truce. It was a yeah. truce. Right. Yeah, unity truce. We had the, the SNL thing that when John Belushi and all that. We had that famous. Thing. No, I wasn't oh. down there for that. I don't. Crazy I don't know how many story. Boston guys came down. Yeah. Was Boston cool with DC back then? Very cool. Okay, cool. Because uh, um, Al threat. loved Minor Threat. Mm-hmm. SSD loved Minor Threat. Of course. Super cool with right. that. And you saw Minor Threat, right? Oh, my God, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Man. Amazing. I can't even imagine yeah. seeing that. You never saw it? No, no, man, no. Dude, I saw it at the 930 Club. Wow. In D.C. And then when they came to Boston at the Channel. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Toby never oh got to see mine. Were you ever a straight edge kid? Uh, no, but I rolled with them. Yeah. You know? You rolled I, with that crew. I was the guy quietly drinking a beer of the 
There's and always H- that one. Me and guy. Higgs. There's always a few of those guys. <laughs> a in couple the of them. Of course. Straight at <laughs> Springer, too, from SSD. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. I just saw him. He was at a Chicago show at Riot Fest recently. I ran into him, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen him in years, yeah. Still in touch with him, and I still talk to Al and still talk to those guys. Um, So, the, so wh- more more noise and other disturbances. Where did you go? Incredible songs. That's kind of like almost not your hit, but a song that really catches on that second record. Where'd you go? Yeah. That was yeah. a college radio hit. Yeah. Yeah. Climb the charts on the college radio. And that's really how we got going. And that's. Yeah. The, I was going to say. Yeah. Once that hit the charts, then we were touring colleges up and down the Eastern Seaboard and across the country. And it seems like you were like one of the first. Well, I'm not really sure on the punk genre, but always playing colleges. And we played colleges with you. It's a whole different world, man. Yeah, I was going to say. It's weird, right? Into. Did you we notice were. a different crowd? Yes, at those? dude. We had a booking agent that somehow tapped into that whole market and sent us to colleges. And I, and I They crushed you know, it in the colleges, by the right. way. I've been with them. Yeah, it's fucking... Yeah, and college, we're psyched we were there and that kind of thing. So... And we were on the college, you know, if you like yeah. music and we're going to college at the time, you knew it. When are we going to get to the Defiant? It's coming, man. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> we got a long way to go. <laughs> oh we're only on more noise than other I mean, I mean, we can, we can There's skip 11 friggin' albums. I mean, we can skip through all of you all, but I mean, just some of your history, just some of the records, question the answers, pictures to prove it, um, everything. The covers album, Angry Samoans, and that is Someday, uh, I suppose, yeah. on, which is another breakout. Yeah. Fucking SSD, minor threat, all that. We'll, we'll fast through it through your life. Um, question the answers, all that shit. And then the hiatus, the hiatus between those, and then let's face it, it was like yeah, a couple it was, years. It was, um, Had the band broken up hiatus. before that or no? Hiatus was like four or five years long. And was the band done or? We'd recorded, uh, let's face it, for Mercury Records. And then Mercury Records turned into uh, Def Jam. Uh, Def Jam Polygram. Or oh yeah, 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 yeah. Something, and all of a sudden, but and and the axe was swung. Bands were gone. Like, but we stay. Us and the Cranberries were like the only two bands they kept. Wow. Because we were riding off the success of of you know, let's face it, and they were, had the huge hits over in England. So they were yeah. the English band and the American band they kept in the popular music department, and but that was short lived. Then we made. Um, uh, pay attention. Yeah. Record. Last record we made with Nate, and then we were cut from that record label. And then we went to Joe Sibb's record label, yeah. Joe Sibb and Bill Armstrong's Side One Dummy, and we made Jackknife to a Swan. Yep. And toward that, toward, uh, you know, Australia toured that record, Warp Tour, all that stuff. And then we took some time off. Yeah. And that's when I got the TV job. Yeah. But just to rewind this to teen, I know you hate talking about yourself, but the Let's Face It record is like a game changer. And for a lot of people listening, you have been doing it for such a long time and just killing it as a longevity band, having some radio play here and there and stuff. But but that 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 gave a lot of hope to a lot of bands that being a band almost 20 years before you even have like a smash hit record was pretty insane. You've yeah. been doing it a long time, man, before It was that. crazy and the stars aligned and everything, the planets all got in alignment and it was like coming off of grunge. You got to remember yes. that. Like, mm-hmm. Grunge was huge. Yeah. And it was time to feel, you know, the pendulum swings, as we said many times together, me and you, it's like all yeah. of a sudden people were tired of being grungy and feeling down. It's like, <laughs> the boss tones you want to feel good yeah and green day yeah you know things got the year punk broke they say yeah things got very very up and very very sort of you know positive and very like you know you can you can go no doubt you can go yes 
the bands of that time were were a direct reaction to you know Kurt's death and grunge mm. and all of that stuff sort of you know let's it's time to feel good again yeah and the impression that i get it just kind of like a game changer and and, and thank how, you and how does oh, yeah, and how definitely. does that record change your life i if i had it to do over again toby i would um have enjoyed it more than i enjoyed it to me at the time my head's going oh shit i'm selling out the boston's are selling out um you know some punk rock guilt we're on our way to the you know mtv beach house <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck <laughs> okay alright I can get through this we're at the beach house okay Everybody, but also, you guys are gonna dance alright but it's organic too because you weren't trying to be a big band You've been yeah, that's true. what I learned but at the time it's difficult to tell me and there's no internet I can't check you know what are the comments you know, I can't check the comments section I, but in my heart I'm thinking you know, people are going to say these guys sold out. And all we were doing was making the record exact record we want to make. Totally. And that record too was a reaction to the record that, uh, out, that Tim made and Rancid made out come the wolves. And we listen to that thing. It's like perfect album. Oh right. shit. You can, we can make songs, you know, right. we can make yeah. songs that make sense. And before that record, to be quite honest, we were making anti songs. We were making, you know, the record label was involved and we were like, you know, you know, f hybriding, smashing punk and ska together in yeah. ways that were just, which I love doing, but it wasn't, now it was like, okay, how do songs work and what's the song structure and what's, how does, you know, it's, you start with the verse and you go into the chorus and then you go verse, chorus, and you know, <laughs> yeah. not, not, not in a boring way, but out come the wolves. We were listening to that and going, there's a way to do this and still, you know, which we did. And, yeah. you know, cause we, had explored everything else musically so now let's explore actually writing yeah. songs and you know we had to admit to ourselves you know we've made this many records we are songwriters so let's put our brains to it and, and uh the guy that took over at president was uh danny um danny he was manager for uh nirvana okay yell out his name over there jenny Jenny, you look it up, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny Wyman. The house. She knows the name. His last name was Danny. Yeah, Google it for me. But I want, I want to, say, I want to say that, like, you know, you made your outcome the wolves. Well, let's face it. I think because to me, outcome the wolves, outcome wolves is a perfect album, front to back. Same with let's face it. We're like, not here to talk about rancid, dude. No, 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 no. I'm, right? I'm, no, I'm saying that inspired you, right? Okay, but, but the boss tones. But let's face it, it's a fucking perfect album that I would put in my top with Outcome the Wolves. I'm giving you props. I'm yeah. telling you that. Like, Descendants, Everything Sucks. Like, these records that, like, after years and years, you make this album. Not that the other records weren't great and you had great songs on, but this record, just the time and everything, it's just perfect. Danny, Danny Goldberg. Goldberg. Danny, Danny Goldberg. Thank you, Jerry. So Danny Goldberg was actually became the president of, of Mercury Records and when we were making Let's Face it, Face It, and he said, you know, you're afraid to write a hit record. And I go, I'm not afraid of anything. Were you afraid, afraid of success? Yeah, I was afraid of success. Was basically what he's saying. You're your own worst enemy, afraid. You know, you don't, you know, buckle down. And I go, you know, F you, and I'm going to do this. <laughs> and, you know, thank you, Danny, because we made, let's face it. Yes. And I, I, that from there, like a whole door was open for me. It's like, I want to write songs. I want right. to be part of that process. I enjoy it. And I want to, 
you know, be considered. When all is said and done, people say, hey, that guy wrote some good songs. I want to yeah. be It seemed very it. natural, the evolution. To totally. That, to that point, it seemed, at the time when it came out, I was like, oh, this totally sounds like that. Uh, yeah, it wasn't I, forced. I no. It wasn't forced. No. Thank you for yes. saying that, Derek. No, for sure. Because it was at, part of the catalog. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I'm thinking, because it's blowing up. Everywhere and be, you know here Is we go. Is that a surreal so, moment? It got to be so on, surreal, dude. You know, Letterman. <laughs> right. We're on every satellite. Boom, 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 boom. And then, stoked, uh, my head was spinning, and I'm like, my fans will probably want to hear me do Devil's Night Out. Yeah. And I was like, you're not doing Devil's <laughs> Night Out, dude. Were you drinking at that time? No. Wow. Okay. Wasn't wow. at that time. Yeah. That's great. Uh, we made that record sober. Nice. Yeah. And how is it like? I mean, obviously, I I ran into you. I played with you. Just so you know, you were the same fucking people. That, that's what I always loved about Boston. It's like your success didn't change anything about you. Maybe financially, maybe a better suit, but. <laughs> <laughs> Our suits got better if you look that's at That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but I'm saying, I like. Think your suit looks nice. But now. I'm saying your attitude. Where's that old ragtag shit you <laughs> took out of your father's your closet? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, like, it didn't change you as people. And I was just so happy for you guys. And I got to. I got to be with you before that and during that and see the reaction to those songs opening up for you. It was just so good. And anytime even Moon will hit me up, if one of the songs comes over, she'll call me like, I'm getting emotional hearing like impression that I get on the radio to this day because we have these memories with you. Well, Moon is the sweetest and you mentioned thrift shop suits. <laughs> me and Moon had such a great time right. going to thrift stores together. That is so right. We did. She was, she was, it was a blast that first tour. Yes. It was a blast. <laughs> but yes, I mean... Because you were just wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, whatever, yeah. She's Moon's, like, Moon's oh. very... Yeah, she's like, where we at? Dickie, look at this tie! <laughs> yeah. She was looking picking for you up ties? For, yeah, she nice, was like, nice. looking for stuff I mean, for look me. at the kitchen. We're in Moon's kitchen. Is her kitchen, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just... And also, with the finance, too, you probably can get a house. You can be more secure. Like, yeah. a lot of that shit changes. You can get a house, but you can't live in it, because you got to be on the road. True. Yeah. Right. True, but you they think of it you while you're out there. The place, though, once that was out, you had to go everywhere, right? We went everywhere. We were doing 300 plus shows oh, a year, but I loved it. I wouldn't, right, I wouldn't yeah. change it. I, that was my life, and yeah, that was it was t tremendous and terrific. And I was, you know, what a blessing for me to be uh, able to do that. Rascal know? King Royal. I mean, every single song I just know him is from. The sensitize everything, the number of days, all those songs, just like, fuck, man. I'm just so honored to have been part of that time in your life and being on the tour with you guys. You know what I mean? It's awesome. Um, it was really nice. It was a pleasure having you and you and H2O and all of that were a huge part of making it fun and making it, you know, worth doing. Kick and people to this day, like, you know, they know we're friends. and they Yeah, or, or just saw us for the first time with the Boston's. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And even having those conversations with Rusty on the tour and the different stories, Rusty would tell <laughs> in the parking lot. Love you, Rusty. We kicked that guy's ass in the parking Rusty lot. Rusty sang his ass off. So did you on the last Boston. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. So let's move let's to that. Go, let's go, man. Okay, when God right. was great. When God was great. The la yes. final Boston's record. Uh, 2021. Rusty, and Rusty's tremendous at backing vocals, isn't he? he Ru is. Rusty is it's no way to I'm going to say right now, it's no way to without yeah. Rusty. Yeah. No way to without Rusty. Rusty is my dude. He's my bird. He's my everything. He's my. He's incredible, man. Yeah. Incredible singer. And Tim Armstrong was kind of producing that too, right? Tim Armstrong produced that with Ted Hutt, and uh, I, th I thought it came out great. I thought it came out great too. Yeah. I thought it was an inc incredible record. Do you know that on that record... There is, I counted it, somewhere between 12, there's at least 12 people on that record that were unvaccinated. Wow. With the COVID shot. Did not know that. 
Do you want me to name them? No. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it, Toby. No, Come on. I said, we've, we've been sitting here for an hour now. Let's, I, remember, let's I, remember, I remember going there, and that was, it was during that time. Come on. Though. Let's mention all the guys that are not vaccinated, <laughs> hiding in the shadows. I'm in trouble. You know how many people are nervous right now? Oh, shit. And also, and, I think he's going to blow the lid but, off but, it. But, but also, there was the, you also had this on the killing of King Georgie. And that kind of got, that was about, inspired by George Floyd during that time, correct? Well, it was written really? about, uh, it was written about the assassination and I was canceled for writing it. It's like, it's that, not. There was a backlash for this. We don't have to talk about it, I want to talk about it because I hate all that negative shit, but yeah, I remember that. Oh, bit, I yeah. only want to do negative shit. Okay. <laughs> I was about to name so names, what, dude. Yeah, names. Come you're throwing, on now. Um, you're throwing a block on backlash. that with the killing of Georgie pod three? <laughs> But yeah, that song was inspired by uh, the events, or it, it was a, about the events that took place on when he was murdered. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the way this country reacted to that, and the way that you know versus the way this country acted when Martin Luther King was killed, and that's all it was pointing out. Yeah, and and I'm the guy that wrote you know Let's Face It, which was you know an anti-racism song that's to this day is heralded as, as a classic anti-racist song. It is. And, 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 and I've always been writing those songs, but at this point, things had changed, and it's like, okay, old man, that's not your story to tell. Slow down, you know. And, but, I, but I really wasn't telling that story. I was just putting together, you know, this happened then, this happened now. Where are we as a nation? Where are we, you know, where, you know I wasn't. Wow. There was so no was backlash from who? Who was the inter- interwebs for for everybody because ah, okay. the song was called "Killing of Georgie Part 3 and it was based on Rod Stewart wrote a song called "The Killing of Georgie Part One and Two. Did you know that? No. Didn't okay. Know so, but it's a it's a tremendous song. Rod it's a, it's about it. It's mm-hmm. about a guy, a, a gay guy that was a friend of his years ago. He wrote this in the seventies. Wow. That was stabbed on a train in New York City on his way home from a club or something. And it's a really really good song. So I just. You know, just took that title and said, this is Killing of Georgie Part 3. Got you. And I I thought I was clever. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe it was ham-fisted. Maybe it was dumb. But I don't don't think so. And I I thought the song was great. And uh, somebody wrote about it, and then somebody picked it up, and then, you know, we were on the cancel these assholes list. And and it was, we just finished the record and, and just put it out, and it was maybe the third single or... I don't understand why the why would they want to cancel you for writing a song about? Well, that's a great question, Derek. I don't know either, dude. But where were you when this was going down? <laughs> I could have used. I could have used. <laughs> and and shit like, yeah. Does online shit bother you? Does that bother you? People saying things online. Do you respond to people? Um. Well, I like being liked. You know. Right. So, okay. but I but I've, everybody, yeah. I've since become thick skinned thicker i've got thicker skin now east coast thick since skin. everything and and i was very very vocal about how i felt about covid and the vaccine and everything and i didn't back off and i wasn't going to pretend that i was when i you know when i wasn't and i think members of the Boston's would have preferred if i was like not but i but, but i also wasn't like hey everybody i'm not gonna you know yeah things started happening to me you know, I was working on that television show. I was working on Jimmy Kimmel Live. How many years on there? 20 years, dude. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Max was a little kid when he first started coming to see bands on that. Yes. Thing. Thank you for those moments. No, please. You Prince, too. To. So you many don't great have shows. To. Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't have to. And, you, and I know you, you'd have gotten in anyway. 
with or without me. Oh no, but yeah, but <laughs> you, you go everywhere you want to. That's your thing. I oh, just Christina, have, Christina, shout out to Christina. I, you, yeah, you Christina, knew other people yeah, too, and I yeah. But anyway, if but there's a, something going on in town that you want to go to, you're there. Yeah, that's, that's Toby. Fact, right? Yeah, he's there. Yeah. Thanks, but, guys. Uh, Thanks for the shout out. But <laughs> but to be the guy that goes, oh, I got to Toby and his kid, and to be that guy was always a pleasure. No, thank you, no, dude. Thank you. So you're there 20 years. 20 years. Damn. And as you know, COVID approached, I had you know very strong feelings about what's going on, what's going to happen, and what's going to go down. And I knew early on that at some point they're going to shut down music. They're going to shut down if you want a tour. You've got to get this shot, and you've got to be, you know, part of that. And I told the band early on, and I said, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to pretend, and I'm not going to play places that aren't allowing people who haven't got the shot, and I'm not going to be part of that too. And it's like, they were fair and good, and they understood that, as it, and, but as it was getting closer and closer, p- people were getting more nervous, but I didn't have any plans to, you know, you know, make a flag or a banner or a post like on that subject. But the TV show is owned by Disney Mm. and Disney had strict policy. Everybody that works for Disney has to have, you know, in order to work for Disney, you have to get a COVID shot. So at that point, Jimmy realized I was one of the people that wasn't going to do that. And he, in fairness to him, did what he could to keep his friend as the announcer, but they were c- coming down on him. Then people became very aware that I was uh. not going to do that. And, and and at the time, I'm doing the TV show remotely. I remember that. In Arizona. Yeah. So, you know, when I said from Hollywood, I was in my garage. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. In Arizona doing the show. So, and, you know, that was sanctioned that I was going to move there during this and you know, the show said, well, you know, we're not going to be back in the studio for this certain amount of time. So you might as well. And, you know, and I said, you know, my kids have cousins there and we're going to, you know, try living there. And it's, it's not a million miles away. As a matter of fact, I drove the seven hours. Yeah, thank you for that. Came straight here, man. Thank you. Hit this microphone at three <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> Fire them up. Cause I'm going to name names. <laughs> Yo, so thir- stay tuned. Cause I'm going to name Yo, 30 minutes names. early too. Yeah. 30 minutes early today. Yeah. yeah. Very impressed, man. That never happens. What are you doing, Max? <laughs> wandering through in a pair of boxer shorts. <laughs> Thank God. What a life. Looking in the fridge. What a life, man. This, I do this Toby, two is this days a podcast? A it is a podcast. You've had five years. All you've come up with is a co-host. <laughs> five, you're still in the... Yeah. You knew you, kitchen, bro. you knew you weren't cutting it. And thank God for the co-host. Dude. Thank you. All right. You got your kids coming through here. I got a dog sitting next to me. Dog loves you. The though. kids in his boxer shorts drinking a glass of milk now. Living life. All right. Let's feel good. Rent okay. free. I've done a lot of podcasts. This is why people like it because it's it's real. There's a dog. There's this guy being annoying. Who it's likes extremely it? Extremely real. People like it. You see. Who? You see who likes no, it? No, they're polite. He reminds me of family in Boston. Just like he's just like a Boston ball breaker. Yeah. Just like a Boston ball. You remember my mom? My mom's actually Shout out to my like grandma. Yeah. yeah. Me and your mom got along really good. She, you know what? <laughs> your grandmother. My mom fucking Max. loves you, man. She fucking loves you, man. She's, she, she really does. Absolute doll. Wonderful lady. Cut from the same cloth as me. <laughs> Taunting ass. Yes. 100%. Uh, 
Taunton is the best. <laughs> is Taunton a really? good place now? I've been there in years. Taunton is Taunton. It okay. will for, forever be Taunton, but it's it actually has a different accent than Boston. It's like a hey Dickie, you're a really funny bastard. You know, it's like a little <laughs> bit every every section of the of New England, every section All different. of different cartoon characters everywhere yeah. you go. You know. But uh Back to Kimmel. We hit it off immediately. Yeah, your, your mom, mother, my right? mom did yeah. for sure. She loved you, man. She loved your band too. Um, I have a question. Were you, were you and Kim were good friends? That's why you got the job in the first place. Yeah, very okay. close. And that's okay. what he, you know, he said. I'm starting this TV show. I thought it would last a Damn. couple of years. I had no idea it would last for 20 years. And at the hi that hiatus that we spoke about was going on, and I thought, oh, this will make the boss tones laugh. All of a sudden, I'm Ed McMahon. What the hell is <laughs> what the hell is Dicky up to? Ed McMahon. Yeah, but, nice. you know, yes. I think I think I think that yes. that, that job only helped. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That job helped the band. Helped the band, I think. Kept Maybe. the name out there. I think so, man. Yeah, but I we got so. to play on it and stuff yeah, like dude, that. Yeah, sure. It was. It was. We enjoyed it, and then we were playing. I was doing that, and we started. The hiatus ended, and we started playing. Joe got the band back together. Yeah, and the radio show too. And then the radio show was weird. Like all of a sudden, someone came in and said, "We're starting an alternative radio station yep. that wants to go." You know along the lines of k-rock and i go well k-rock won't let this happen and but they did and they mighty hired, morning show mighty morning show exactly we, cool. they yeah had steve uh, jones had a show yep. jonesy's jukebox from the sex pistols and they they were hiring like different musicians and rock guys and they said do you want to try doing a morning show and i was like yeah give it a try i have mornings off i'm doing the tv show at night yeah and uh it was fun and and then it was pretty funny story it was uh jimmy who's a radio guy loves radio that he worked for k-rock before that he was a journeyman radio like morning show guy he was up in seattle i think and then he had a show in florida and then out in the desert he was you know like so many radio guys you go from market to market wherever the job is but he just loved all things terrestrial radio so all of a sudden, um, he, he catches wind. He's like, calls me in his office. He's like, I hear you're starting a radio show. And I go, yeah, yeah, a couple weeks I'm going to be on the air. And he's like, well, what kind of show is this going to be? And I, and I really hadn't thought about it. I had thought, you know, they're going to spark up the mics and I'm just going to start talking. I didn't put my brain to it. And I go, well, uh, I, I couldn't think of anything to say to him. I go, I don't, I don't what are you going to do? I go, I don't know. I go, uh, I think I'm going to give tattoos on Tuesday. He goes, what? And I came up with that right in his office. Wow. In my head. Tattoos. I go, yeah, yeah. I go, it's going to be tattoos day. And he goes, uh, you're going to give tattoos on the radio? <laughs> you do realize no one's going to be able to see those tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you do magic tricks too? <laughs> Voila. I just pulled a rabbit out of my hat. Anybody like that? You know? He's like, you're out of your mind. He goes, I'll tell you, it's not going to be a good show. So then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I've got to stick to this tattoo idea. Yes. And I started calling around and I started, I got a, you know, they've got a good producer. We got a, you know, I'm going to put something together. I had Lawrence start building me like bumpers and, you know, a theme song. And yeah. I, go, I have to have something because now Jimmy is dialed in. He's going to be listening. Oh, shit. No pressure. It, you know, huge pressure to me because i as i said i love radio too but jimmy loved radio yeah mm -hmm. and about month into the show jimmy goes, calls me again he goes 
dude, I've been listening to your radio show. I go, yeah, it's really good. And I've been listening. He only listened to Howard Stern. He goes, you know, I listen with the kids because, you know, there's nothing offensive. You're not yeah. swearing and it's not Howard Stern. He goes, you, you're doing a good job, really good. And I was, ah. and I was super proud. And it meant awesome. a lot to yeah. me. And I loved doing that show. Yeah, and you were on the show at like six in the morning. Uh, one point, I did a portrait of my son on my leg. Wow, it's kind of crazy getting tattooed that early in the morning, plush, like in like a like a. How cold. long was yeah. the show? Like an hour long, or no? It was about three or four hours. In yeah, the it was morning. legit. It was the longest three show. On, yeah, what? Yeah, it was a Every- full drive time, and at the, also, I didn't know shit. Yeah, about I was going to say like I'm okay. the LA morning guy on this thing, and basically, I was given Red Sox scores because I. <laughs> Oh I was still fresh out of so Boston. You could do whatever you want on the show. I didn't know cool. where anything was. If they started. 103.1. Yep. Indy, it was called. Yeah, Indy 103.1. Rolling Stone yep. called it the you know, hippest radio station in the country at the time. Wow. Damn. And we were amped and charged. But, you know, the, the morning guy was like, they're, they're telling me that, you know, the traffic report. And I go, now where is that? And I go, well, it's a very famous highway, Dickie. It's. A, <laughs> <laughs> weather I couldn't do weather I couldn't I was telling you it's raining in Boston and I didn't pick up the phones for the first two weeks mm-hmm. because I was sure people were out there like were furious like this guy's giving Red Sox scores all, <laughs> his accent is out of control <laughs> and I knew if I picked up the phone it was like and if it, it was the other way around if an LA guy came to Boston oh, you know destroyed. and picks up the phone like yo dude what's that Get the hell off the air. <laughs> All right. We're coming down there in about a half an hour. We don't give a shit about L.A. <laughs> so one day I go, hey, let's answer the phones today. And I pick it up very cautiously. Like, hey, bro, been listening to your show. Love the Boston stuff. Uh, really, you know, tons of positive. Like, awesome. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It's all I know. I don't know. I don't know anything else. How long did you do that for? Two years, a little more than two years, to, and uh, what happened was the station started getting popular. Big, I remember that. Yeah, and and it started like they like started to believe their hype and like we can compete with K Rock and stuff. Yeah, and once you start doing that, K Rock says no, you can't. Mm-hmm. Smack you down. Mm-hmm. But so they started programming the music, and in hindsight, I should have just went with that. The thing I loved doing was playing like, you know, Glenn Campbell into yeah. Black Flag into playing H2O and then, cool. and the stuff I loved. But they, you know, there was records coming out and record companies wanted on the air. So they started, yeah. you know, it's going to be programmed in format. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't, it wasn't, that was part of the passion. As much as I loved the team and the people I talked to every morning and talking to, you know, having people come in and get tattoos. Tattoos to tattoos day was hilarious. It's so crazy, man. It's if such you a crazy turned concept. in on Tuesday and my, you know, so you're going around the dial is all of a sudden you hear <laughs> from the coil gun. Right. Tattooing people. I wonder how that was even possible. Like to have like the health department show just doing that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I really can't tell. I never you checked. I never checked with anything. Right on Earth Day. This is something I did. On, on, yeah, yeah, it was a different time. Yeah, check this out. So on Earth Day, I needed a new car. I'd been driving around in something that I bought for like twelve hundred dollars in L.A. Sick. Yeah, and it was it was a horrible car, and I was like, oh, it's time to get a new car. And then someone said, uh, Oh, you should get a Prius. And I was like, All right. Then once again, 
I don't care really. I'm not a car guy. Apologies to the car guys out there, but so uh, I go, okay, no cars. okay, yeah. Prius. That's Toyota Prius. Um, I set that up. I called my friend Ernie Bach Jr. in uh, Massachusetts, and he set something up with Huntington Beach uh, Toyota. Huntington Beach Toyota was. I heard Huntington Beach Toyota commercials on my show all the time. Huntington Beach Toyota. Huntington Beach Toyota. <laughs> so what I did was like, I called Huntington Beach Toyota and I said, "Hey, I'm you know, you know my buddy called you and I'm the guy that's going to buy a Prius and I'm, I want to do it on my radio show for Earth Day." Mm. And uh, the guy, are you interested in that? And the salesman was like, "Yeah, totally." <laughs> I go, "Well, what we'll do is you drive the Prius to the to the station." <laughs> Park it there. Come on up. And then I'll interview you all morning. We'll sign the papers and everything on the air. You know, so I'm like killing two birds. Like by the end of the show, I'd be have my Prius. So right. I didn't want to go there. Yeah, it's right. a great idea. And yeah. and I go, what kind of deal can you we'll give you a really good deal? I go, great. About uh, 45 minutes in the show, I look up at the door and all the people, the owner of the station, everybody's at the window, and the guy, the salesman sitting next to me is, it's Earth Day, like I'm doing my part for Earth Day by buying a Prius. <laughs> like I'm trying to, I'm saving the planet. Oh, God, here we go. And then <laughs> we get to a commercial break, they come in, they go, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I go, I'm buying, buying a Prius on the air, it's for Earth Day, you know. So you do realize that we sell Toyota you know, advertising. We do, you know, they're one of our advertising that this is very expensive. Like I was doing a morning long commercial for Toyota <laughs> of Huntington Beach. <laughs> Both work. They were so angry at me. They wow. were like, you're out of your mind. You didn't run this by any, I go, no, I just thought Earth Day was a good premise. I, you know, and really I just wanted, I was too lazy to drive down there. <laughs> Did you get the car? Yes. Wow. <laughs> it was a good deal. The color was hot. Great deal. Oh, man. They, they passed the savings on to me. Absolutely. I went down. The color was horrible. And it was. Uh, oh, you didn't even have a. It was maroon. Well, I, they, they had the one on the lot, and I didn't. Okay. They go, we have a, a lovely. Um, I don't know what color they were You're calling it. All right. What, what do I care? Once again, what do I care? But, but uh, my friend uh, Bob Einstein, Super Dave. Would always go, why, Dave? Yes. Wow. He would always go to me, who we became good friends because of the Mighty Morning Show. He would come on and uh, anytime he wanted. If he was in the neighborhood, you know, it'd be like, ah, Dickie, Super Dave's here. Get him on the air and That's bring cool. him around. But he would, he would always go, uh, why are you driving a purple sewing machine? <laughs> <laughs> he called my car a sewing machine. Um, why is my life so much better than yours? Is he still around? No. I passed away oh, wow. a few Weird. years ago. Okay, okay. Uh, super sad. Went that. to his funeral and uh, damn, I was really broke. I, I loved that guy. I oh, loved he was him. hilarious. Hilarious Jeez, and but if you knew, he was just such a tremendous dude. You know. Damn. Let me um, pour some onto this liquid death. Up. No, pour some on. Pour For some on. Super. Yeah, go ahead. What about you taking Howard Stern's place on WBCN? Is that a rumor? Or is that something that was almost going to happen? I was offered that. They were trying to figure out who, when he went to, to uh, Satellite Radio, they were trying to fill those markets where he was on. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. We've got to do something. And, and BCN knew I was doing the morning show in L.A. And I had a great relationship with BCN, the guys, the Oedipus, the guy that ran the station at the time. And, and uh, 
they thought, well, we'll, we'll be different. We'll have Dickie come to Boston and he'll do the show. But that means I would have left the Kimmel show. But it also, you know, I, as much as I love doing that morning show, I didn't like the idea of thinking I'm going to get up at five in the morning, scrape my window, you know, yeah, the, the car yeah. may or may not start, drive through the snow, freeze my ass. Like it's a different thing doing that in L.A. 100%. It's getting sure. up at five and you're not bundling up, freezing your ass off. And so that didn't appeal to me at all. Mm. So I didn't want that. And on top of it, I knew that anybody that replaced Howard Stern was going to be like, you know, fuck, you know, you're going to get a ton of shit. Yeah. I There's didn't want to be that shoes, guy, yeah. which they did use uh, David Lee Roth. Okay. He did a bunch well, of different he markets. Did. He he replaced Howard Stern in a lot of markets. And okay. He, he's got the kind of ego that's like, I'm going to do it. Right. I'm sure. And that was very short lived. Mm. They even like, I think they built him a special studio in New wow. York and he was all those markets, including Boston and people were like, nope, not Harvard, <laughs> not Howard. Right. Was was there um, an introducer for Jimmy Kimmel before you came on the show? Is there already somebody doing that? The introducers? Whatever, whatever, whatever your title was there. All Introducing. right. Let me help you out here. Because <laughs> this is something you should know before, before the show. I was called the announcer. <laughs> okay. The introducer used to get you and your kids tickets. Dickie's the introducer. I said the wrong word. I'm sorry. Announcer. I'm sorry. The introducer. Well, there's introducer. no such thing as an introducer. <laughs> Said the wrong word. You might as well call me the cauliflower. I don't... You're introducing everybody. What am I bad? I'm introducing <laughs> at the top of the show. I'm going to introduce everybody. Jimmy, I'd like Who you to he? meet <laughs> Brad Pitt. Brad, oh this is Jimmy. That was funny. I oh, thank you, that. Dickie, for the introduction. Um, who was the announcer before that? Was there any announcer? They had. Uh, it was early. They only okay. last, uh, the show had been on for about four months, five months before I came on the air, and uh, they had the staff. Jimmy was look, looking, and he asked me early on, and and uh, the staff was in. You know, tonight the guy from the props department will be oh, wow. doing the introducing. Okay, <laughs> and then I think I think Andy Milanak. By the way, Super oh, Dave okay. introduced one night. Okay, excellent. Yes, every a lot of other shows have announcers, but on that show they had an introducer. You're the what? best, Tobe. <laughs> yes, he did. We would cry laughing together. Me and Tobe. Um, if you want to cry laughing, we're, we're going to get to we're getting to the defiance is coming. Your stage. When time. do I get to it's blow the of, lid off of everybody who doesn't have a vaccine? I just want to talk you about. Can't. I'm <laughs> sweating. Come on. I just want to talk about your. Let's go down the list. We'll get there next, but the jig is up, everybody. Your your famous stage diving clueless. Dickie's on Toby's show. Would you like to do? Would you? Did we happy with your? The clueless thing was pretty. The big clueless too. famous stage dive. It's very interesting. And we've learned. We've clueless, learned. Bro. We've learned a lot. <laughs> that was a big time for you guys. That was ninety five too, though. That was a big deal. That was a weird Massive thing. Movie, a dude. weird thing. And another time where I didn't enjoy it the way I should have. But. We were having tax problems, the Boston's. Whatever manager we had at the time decided not to pay taxes for oh, years, and so it right. came up, and they were down it's on us. Brutal. Yeah, they get down. It was down. tough, and it coincided with, and this is before, we, let's face it, so we didn't have any huge, it coincided yeah. with Amy Heckerling, who made Fast Times at Ridgemont High, going, would you like to be in this movie? Wow. And they gave us, they were offering us a lot of money. We were offered more. We got more money than Alicia Silverstone. 
for that movie. Wow. Wow. Um, and I know that because it was a Jeopardy question. Would Boston Band? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I uh, was played in this movie and made more money than Alicia Simpson. So we got a lot of money, but that money was to, to pay these tax problems, as, mm. you know, get the IRS office. And that's where it went. So, but I don't think, and this is the time of, once again, sell out songs, weren't in just mm. in movies and weren't just in, now they're in TV shows, commercials, everything is yeah, like, for sure. you know, I, I, to, if I had it all to do over again, I would have sold out a lot more than I did. You know, that that America's Funniest Home Video offer we got, I would circle back on that and go, yes. <laughs> they would they would get to Funniest Home and I go, yes. Was it like having like punk the rock? The Pizza guilt? Hut commercial that we passed on. Would you like to do a pizza? Yes. Wow. But yeah. that was, was it like the, a punk rock guilt you had in a sense of making well, money? Or everything just... was that. Yeah. Uh, all the bands were doing that. You know, sure. Neil Young wrote a song about selling out your songs to commercials and selling your songs that sort of thing you just didn't do it it just wasn't the yeah. time and now it's you know please how much how mm -hmm. many yes sir please thank you so it's a different world once again but uh so amy heckling asked us if he wanted to do the movie and i'm like oh, well you know dickie you got to do something to, uh, you know management that we had at the time was like we've got to solve this problem and this is this is the answer to this and I was like, okay, what's it about? Well, it's about, you know, <laughs> we'll give it to you in a nutshell. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, they're from Beverly Hills? Yeah, they're Beverly Hills, they're very wealthy. Uh, 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 yes. <laughs> they, think, they say things like whatever and, you know, high school. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I barely... Okay. All right. I, can I get through this? It's you know, it's not Fast Times at Ridgemont High. No, right. no. It's it's very different. There'll be the girl from the uh, Aerosmith videos. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I think I can get through this. And so, yeah, you guys are pretty. Coincidentally, where they filmed that tope, and I'll let you finish that question in a second, was right across the street from the OJ trial, which was going on. Wow. The very heat of it. So all of that craziness, like are the warehouse that they film that scene in you go out the front door look across the street and uh there's you know like people holding signs and wow going nuts for OJ. like right in the thick of that holy we shit. filmed that movie so it added to the insanity and and uh higgs got me a bottle of tequila and i started drinking that going because uh, then i started looking at all these extras coming in and they're dressed in pinks and blues. They, it looks like your kitchen. They were dressed yeah. like that. It was all these pastels, outfits, and I'm there standing there in my plaid suit going, okay, I can get through this. So I started drinking the tequila. Wow. And um, the first thing, you know, the first take, and Amy Heckling was on uh, a boom chair with the cameraman. She was up there, so filming, you know, this sort of boom shot of us playing, swooping through the room, the you know the extras dancing and like and they were confused even how to dance to it like how do we dance to this and i was like okay i'll show <laughs> nobody you nobody from the scenes and there's no real extras like that you can nobody i knew wow. it didn't right. I, no one knew who we were be proud of skank or nothing yeah. no i wasn't gonna do that either I go, you know you can look at ben because he'll be dancing up here totally right and uh follow his lead they they got the hang of it but you know the first take i go this is how you dance to it and i did this massive stage dive on top of these kids who were unsuspecting <laughs> And 
pink, pink and blue sweaters and clu- clueless outfits. They're probably like, what is he doing? Uh, and Amy Heckling, you know, it's like people look horrified. And Amy Heckling goes, I love that. You got to do that again. So for the rest of the day, I was doing these staged eyes. And as the day went on and the tequila is like, I was less and less enthusiastic about now they're catching me, you know? So now they know what's coming. Are you not happy with the dive they picked? Oh, go look at it. I know. (laughs) Is that what you're getting to? Yeah, I'm asking if you're not happy with that dive. No, I wilted on them. (laughs) It was probably take 35. It wasn't the... It wasn't the monster I first did. And then when I looked at it, I was like, ah, okay, whatever. Was that movie big when it came out? Now huge. It's like, and when I saw it. classic now, but yeah. Huge. When I saw it. Um, What'd you think? I liked it. We went on tour. We pulled the bus over and we drove into a theater. And we thought people were like, oh, the band's here. <laughs> and I gave a shit. <laughs> and we watched it. And I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good movie. But now it's even big. And so it's for something like that, does a band like you get... No, residuals from that the rest of your life from that movie? No. Okay. No, we got... Paid once and that's it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That went to the tax man. Mm-hmm. Another interesting movie thing, and uh, I tell this because Derek's here. You might know this. Okay. So have you ever seen I Know What You Did Last Summer? Yes. Yes. Yeah. When they actually do what they did last summer, it's the Boston's play. And a song that had never been released, I think it's called Wake Up Call. Like, wow. the, they're in the car, they're on the windy road, and somebody gets pissed and goes, oh, man, let's, you know, put on some rock and roll or something like that. Switches the station, and it's like us blasting this, like, deep cut, this B-side, really, wow. of, of the song Wake Up Call. And they're going through the, and they're rocking out to the Boston's. And we, we're watching this, too, as a band for the first time on tour. And we're like, oh my God. And they and all of a sudden they hit a guy. That's right. <clears throat> and that's what they did last summer. And then when they hit a guy, like the the uh the sound just stops. And now the th- whole theater's quiet. And then Tim, Johnny Vegas from the Boston jails out. The Boston's did it. He <laughs> 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 like, decided throwing stuff at us. We guys are credit for that, obviously. People know that's you in the movie, yeah. I don't know if they know that, but yeah. just interesting fun fact, I thought, you know. Did you ever, did Story you ever I've never it? told anywhere. It's yeah. Saved it for you, too. Thank you. Did you ever do acting, too, at all? No. Acting? Oh, I was a terrible actor. I tried in my hand at it a couple times. A few different projects. Some Something, uh, television pilot I did for... Uh, Lifetime, please. Tell me it was a Lifetime, <laughs> a lifetime. movie. No, I think it was Nickelodeon. I was Nickelodeon. a bus driver on this uh, kid's show, and I was going to be like the cranky bus driver. And uh, I enjoyed doing that. And that then what else? It was another thing. I played, a, you know, I always picture myself like cops and bartenders. I'd be great. Like, I think I'd be, what do you have? Sorry, I just <laughs> slammed your table. <laughs> What'll it be? Or, you know, the. Was there your thing? Officer number two, the guy that stands there and writes <laughs> stuff in a pad. It's kind of what I was shooting for. My, I couldn't do anything uh, like they'd go, okay. Um, and I was in this other movie and they go, all right, what you do is you go in, you pick up the phone, you say hello, you put the phone down, you turn around and then you exit that way. Like, okay, go ahead and pick up the phone too. 
I'd go in. I'd be, you know, pick up the phone. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. I'd go. I'd go. You forgot to pick up the phone. <laughs> take Turn direct. around. That would be uh, take direction. Yeah, I yeah. was horrible at that. <laughs> I couldn't. Better as introducer for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm the guy that you know couldn't dance, so he got a dancer in his band. So you know. Yeah. I was, I'd farm out the stuff I couldn't do. <laughs> so you can't dance at all. Nah. I had you know I did some skanking in my day yeah i mean you got some famous stage dive photos that are on i there. wasn't you for sure you're a ball of energy out there thank you still to this day oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, same yeah. thing for is sure. it oh Derek? yeah no doubt yeah. he's he's all over the I place i can't think of the last h2o show oh i saw you not that long ago yeah. last year in arizona yeah that was a lot Ooh. Ooh. okay we'll talk about that we'll talk about that <laughs> after the pod we'll talk about that after the pod something bad happened yeah did oh. i do it no, no. nothing no nothing <laughs> <you didn't laughs> Derek but the, knows. But the hometown yeah, throwdowns, those are great too as well. So thank you for those. You're those welcome. are fucking incredible. Every fucking Christmas, <laughs> every year. It was such a big deal at the, uh, uh, where's the Middle East, right? Oh, Middle right. East. Middle oh. East, go move on to. House of Blues. House of Blues, the big ones. Big ones. Biggest yeah. one in the country is the Boston one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it started out having, we had the smallest one in the first House of Blues, I think was in Boston, in mm. Cambridge. Okay. Yeah. Those are incredible. Yes, thank you very much. So let's get to Defiant. You guys have your first show ever this weekend at Punk. I want to pull out my list of. I have your songs too. I want to pull out my list of guys and bands (laughs) that didn't get the shot. (laughs) I thought, thought, hey, all right, guys, we ready to go? Dickie, you go ahead. You had. We'll meet you there. No, no, we're gonna do. I got the song titles. The record's really good. The songs are super catchy. You listen to it? Come on, dude. Right. Costello Pogues has got a lot of vibes to it that I love. Obviously, I love everything you sing. I love your fucking voice. Like really? I've, I've always loved your voice. Do I still got it? You still got it. Thank you. And there's so many great, catchy songs on there. Like yeah. amazing songs. Like Jenny, can we get Derek a copy? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I think you'll enjoy it. it. Yeah. I think you will. Dude, there's, there's some really, I mean, obviously, Dead Language is one of the singles that's super catchy, but there's so many good ones on there. Um, As One, uh, like Life Flies, uh, can't stop crying. I want to talk about Krantz can't stop crying. Okay. So I was listening to the lyrics. I wrote that with songs. Johnny from the keyboard player from okay, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there, I mean, there's just so many songs in there. It's all super important, important things that have been going on in your life. Yeah. And all inspired by that's past, couple, past couple of years. Well, that's how I write. Yeah. What's going on? What am I? What am I up to? You've always. What been do like I think that. about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what am I gonna do? Yeah. But this is super inspired by a lot of things. Early on, you know, poetry teacher, very early on, Mr. Powell, Norwood High School. Shout out to Mr. Powell. Right about, yeah, Mr. Powell was tremendous, and, and I could do two hours on Mr. Powell. But he actually was never my English teacher, but he found out that there was a kid in the high school that wrote poetry, and okay. he came and found me, and he was inner-city guy that was teaching school, and, you know, it looks like a, like a, after school special. Hey, kid. I hear you right. I hear you right. We're both in the smoking area. Night- <laughs> the smoke. Both in the we're, smoke the, we're in the smoking area. That existed. He, 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 he pulls a cigarette out of my pocket. <laughs> lights one up for himself. I hear you write poetry. <laughs> you got he's, talent. He's, You're he, talent. I hear, I've you read some of your poems. Kid. Yeah. Are you, but you. What is it? <laughs> Dude, I'm just trying to have a smoke between class, all right? Don't come down on me. I don't need another. You're not even my teacher, man. 
fill <laughs> fill these books with poems. Don't stop writing. Now the the true the actual story. When I make the movie, that's what it's going to look like. You need a movie for sure, Mister Powell. You need a fucking pulling doctor. a cigarette out of my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and then packing him old school so the Marlboro's pack wow <laughs> slapping him on his head and pulling one out my mom did that my whole life yeah, pulling one out without touching it with just his fingers just have it in the movie please just, if you do make the movie please have him be like Newports or something <laughs> Virginia Slims you're right yeah, you write poetry yeah, keep it down man I got a reputation I don't write poetry you didn't hear that, dude. <laughs> Mr. Powell. But you did write poetry. Loved writing poetry. Starting what age? Writing. I always kind of consider myself a word, words. Wordsman. Yeah, blacksmith. Okay. Yeah, and I would, you know, hammer words together. And what's the best way to say this? And what's the best way to write yeah. this? And is this the best, absolute best word? And back then, doing that was way more difficult than it is doing it now because back then you would do it on paper and sometimes you go i've written this thing 500 times i do not want to rewrite this again right. all right but it, i know this is but, all right i'll do it again but now it's just like cut paste delete yeah it's right so on three yeah notes on your phone all that I stuff know. but you had like notepads you had all this booklets and shit tons he gave me a handful of those blue notebooks those i don't even know what they're called Composition, composition books. books thank yeah. you very much thank Jenny. you jenny um so that's you started writing danny goldberg in. composition books all right now who is the singer of the rolling stones stumpter oj simpson stumpter anything now next time you talk, talk about role, uh, oj simpson are you going to mention that clueless was filmed across the street you're going to have to right. jenny's going to have to do that yeah Yes. Yeah. What was I at? You were at the criminal trial in downtown. And you were at civil. Correct. Okay. Mm. All right. Diff- different ones. Yeah. Yes. No one heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you would be writing your whole life always. That's been your whole thing. That's what I love doing. Writing yeah. and and drawing pictures and those things and assumed it would be a huge waste of time. And now I draw a ton with my kids. I love doing that. Drawing pictures with them. They're what what very, kind of stuff good. you draw? I just... It's whatever comes in my head. If it's a holiday, we got to do uh, St. Patrick's Day pictures. Like it's some sort of Do you of save tradition. all those to like put a book together? I actually maybe? posted some not too long ago on the Dickie Barrett Instagram okay. of the kids. Yeah, I, I save all the, the drawings. I, right. I mean, I haven't lifetime saved drawings. And if I did, I'd probably have to get a second house because I just constantly drew pictures in it. Wow. Yeah. And I think I'm, and I went to school for it. Uh, like I said earlier, Bunker right. Community College, and uh, realized that I was probably a better art director than the actual artist. Like, you know, I'm but not, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, the Boston Strangler's nephew. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you used what you learned in college for throughout your career in music, you think? Some of that stuff stuck with you for sure? Um, I learned a lot about topography and I learned about fonts and lettering yeah. and that kind of stuff. And, I, and designing whatever the Boston's record covers look like, I played a huge hand in all of that. And oh, the artwork and designs too, yeah. Love yeah. it, yeah. Um, so yeah, so the new record. So obviously that's inspired from the past couple of years. We were talking about Jimmy Kimmel. You lost that during all the mandates and stuff. Yes. And then, how many loose ends did we leave on this podcast? No, no, not many. This is no. you. I, I always tie it back up. I bring it back. I'm professional. <laughs> so, we're, so we're bringing it. We know we're bringing it back to that. 
So then the band too. You're a professionally kids in here in his underwear again. No, he's not. He's wearing fucking, <laughs> he's wearing fucking swimming trunks. Um, snacks. But Dickie, around that time that everything happened with as far as losing the, the pandemic stuff, is that when the band dismembered on the same time as the TV show too as well? Yes. Because the, right, so, the world was right. shutting down. You want to know, the, the, the button on that story is, so now Disney is involved. Yeah. I got to go. I can no longer announce. Uh, sorry. I can not Pardon me. Your son's distracting me. It's about to make a <laughs> peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> looking for the butter knife. Dad. Actually, Dad, I left a knife me. right here. Uh, <laughs> Dad, can I have some of your orange juice? Oh. Max, get the fuck out of here. The podcast, Dickie Bear. Wait four years for this. Oh, yeah. And here he is. You don't get no peanut butter. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, that's fine, but I'm starving. Thanks, Dad. Sounds about right. So, <laughs> wait, wait Dick, were you living I, at home? Okay, yeah, forget it. Okay. So, yes. So, that happened. So, now it's sort of public. Why is he no longer announcing, the, introducing on the Jimmy Kimmel Live show? No disrespect. Yeah. So, he goes, so that, you know, was made people uncomfortable. And, and once again, if I'm asked, I'm going to say why. Uh, it coincided with being involved with Bobby Kennedy, who heard that that happened and we reached out to each other and we talked and everything. And he said, could you help me create a song yes. for this uh, rally for, you know, and it's based Defeat on the a, mandates. Yes. And it's based on a um, Crosby, old Crosby stills Nash song that he wrote the lyrics. And, and all I did was put together musicians to create this song that he loved. And I uh, Higgs made a video for it. Mark Higgins Another common thread we're weaving through this long podcast. If we st still have anybody listening, this thank be, this, you so much. This would be this would be your best podcast right now. People are going to be psyched on this, so don't thank hate. you so much. I love you. Go ahead. Do you, don't. Do you think they'll like the part yeah. where Max comes in? <laughs> yes, they'll love that. that happens every fucking episode. Okay, go ahead. Without a doubt. So, uh, so, so that happens. So I create the song and create a relationship and a friendship and he was happy with the song and he used it and everything but then he started getting slammed with all these allocate uh, you know accusations and and you know people who didn't know him or know what he was about or know what he was doing or you know know what was going on even in the world was just like he's dangerous and so's dicky and i got thrown in that and at the time Member, there were members of the Boston's that didn't want to be any part of that. And it was public. And I wasn't saying, I wasn't doing anything as a representative of the Boston's. Representing was, yourself. This was my life, you know, and, that, and, that, and that's what I was doing. So, and it felt good and it felt right. And, you know, did I want to not, for the Boston's to end or for it not to be? And did I say over and over again, hey, this doesn't need to happen. You know, this is going to blow over. Time's going to go by. You know, I, you know, but which all of that did, it did. And, you know, I will stand by my choices and I will, you know, and I firmly believe the choices I made were accurate and correct and, and certainly right for me. And I think, and I strongly believe that people should have the right to choose what they want to do. And I think almost whether you got it or not, we're all on board. And that's all I've ever been saying mm -hmm. is that these are, these are choices that we should make. You know, you were never preach about like, fuck you for getting it or fuck that person. This no, is, this is what you were doing. No. And, and I didn't want to say do this because mm -hmm. I'm doing this on anything. I didn't want your that. personal the choice. verdict was not out. We didn't know what would happen. We didn't know what was going to go down. And I didn't want to, you know, so I didn't want to say I'm getting this 
so you know you get it too i didn't want to pretend i got it i didn't want to and i also did you know these are my choices you felt strong enough to speak about it publicly and let the world know like this is it this is me fuck it yeah because obviously it would have got out anyway why you got fired from jimmy kim however that went down it would have got out anyway so now it's like okay this is me this is what i represent and well that's yeah you know but i'm that's been my whole life i don't pretend you know like none of the things i said on any of the albums the things i said i thought about i believe in i wasn't just pretending to be anti-racist i wasn't just yeah pretending that you know it's all about unity i wasn't just preaching and pretending you know let's get together it's about love take care of each other it wasn't just you know dribble or I thought about it. These are the things. These are the values. Very inclusive. And I felt that all your shows and people, all your fans felt that about the Boston's too. That was the idea. That was, and that's the idea about the new band too, is let's, the time for division, we can't be divided. Us being divided is exactly what they want. You know, once they, you know, fracture and fraction and split us and, and divide us, then they can control. Mm-hmm. And that's, <clears throat> that's the game plan and it's always been the game plan it's if you've got 50 people 50 percent of the people thinking this and 50 percent of the people thinking that then you can control because at any given time you can say all right you know and accommodate these needs and and that's the the whole idea is end the division and stop and it's never been and it's gotten worse since you know it's there's never been a more divisive time in history as far as i'm concerned and we need the messages and, the, and that the Boston's have been talking about now more than ever is get together. No, yeah. no, we're not, you know, we're not enemies. We're all on the same side. Yeah. Especially now in a couple of years have passed too, and the world's open and things are different and all that. And are, is there a chance for the Boston's ever be together again? I, I don't, you know, I never say never. I yeah. don't, I don't, you know, it was anything. really sad here. Like it was like, it was an emotional day for me. We were calling each other my band because how much we love you and your band and just for that just to like it was sad man the whole world was sad obviously you heard the news but like no i feel like people that love your band because it's been well, such part of his lives well well thank you thank you for saying that and, and i was sad too yeah but that's how it had to happen and people felt that way and and i f- i felt like it didn't have to happen but i think that it did happen and whatever and and of that came this yeah so you do band and and i'm enjoying doing that and it's you know another experience and if if you made it your way through the entire podcast and listened to all the different things i've been through it's totally. just an, it's another step on a really crazy sort of ride i've been on and yeah is that interesting writing a, after all these years with one band doing a whole new band like this stage in your life and rewriting songs with new people super interesting a lot of fun felt kind of fresh and felt like you know but writing boston songs you know was writing with different guys and you know so i'd write yeah. this with lawrence and i'd write this with joe and then you know wrote these songs with nate so i was always kind of working i needed some you know someone else to write with all the time these are my words and how are we going to put it together with music was sort of you know and i like you know co-writing i like you know yeah so this is gonna be your first show this weekend yes wow and there'll be tours to come and everything around this record you trying to do like Touring, Absolutely, yeah. Full touring. Stormy's doing the booking. Shout out so. to Stormy Shepard. We love you, Stormy. That's awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Stormy. Stormy she booked. Shepherd. She booked us for like. Rancid got us a booking agent. We had no. One. You got the booking agent now, dude. We do. You've got the guy. <laughs> 
But let me say something with Stormy. You've had some great booking agents. She, uh, I, we did have her. But you Stormy did. booked us off our two song 70s that Rancid said, yo, book this band. And we had nothing to tour in but two songs. She did her best for like a month and it didn't work out. But I love you, Stormy. You never circled back? Nah, we went to Tim Board and other ones after that. It's yeah, let's game. name them all. No, I don't want let's to. Let's go right up. <laughs> now, who's currently who's booking But agent? we had your agent for a second too back then. Amy or something took over for us. Did she? Because we worked with the guys. Like, I'm going to help out H2O. And she's like, no, nah, I can't handle these guys. But yeah. <laughs> but no, I shout out to Brad, we Brad Wiseman right now. Yeah. Okay, so who else does he have? I heard he picked up a come new... On, come on. Go ahead. I go heard down. he picked up a new artist. Go ahead and say it. He's talking to uh, Mr. Feldman right now. He, oh, really? Not John Feldman, Corey Feldman. Yeah, Corey. He's talking to him. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Not Feldy from Goldfinger? <laughs> oh, you mean Goldfinger? <laughs> no. No? Oh. Corey Feldman. Stand by me. Yes. Stand by yes. me, Corey. Great movie. Yeah. Great actor. Yeah. By the way, actor. the guy's yeah. a great actor. So Fantastic. how's the response been with The Defiant? People seem to like it. Yeah. And the ones that don't, I don't listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. Well, I think that we've made the record. It's hard to deny that it's not good. I think it's great record. Then there's good, really good songs, and I'm, and that's sort of where we got it. You know, so it's like Johnny Rio, from the Street Dogs, yep, Joey LaRocca from the Briggs, Greg Camp, Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth wrote wrote the the monsters from Smash Mouth. He did. Yes, he wrote the big ones. Hey, now you're an all star. That was his. That was his. Wow. Okay. Damn. Right. My daughters love that from song. Shrek. Yes, it's a Shrek yes. movie, dude. Yes. That's, That's right. sick. And Pete Parada. Yep. Drummer for the Offspring. Yep. Todd's band. Yep. Not Todd's band. Todd's in that band. <laughs> let's get it. Let's get it. That's correct. Todd's band. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Todd. My brother never wrote one song in that band. That's so his band, dude. It's Dexter. Out crowd. It's That's Noodles. Out crowd. <laughs> it's Todd. Yeah, that's how Dexter, I see it. Dexter, Noodle, and Todd. Oh, Big boy. I'm sorry. I just like when I see people, they're like, yo, I know, I know that guy's band. That's Todd's band. It's the furthest thing from his band. H2O is Toby's the original band. H2O, he wrote those songs. H2O. He wrote no songs Out in crowd. Our crowd. Our Early crowd. days. That's, Oof, pretty, that's pretty sick, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... <laughs> so no more suits. Or, so this is this is defined. no more suits. No for stay. So this is just. <laughs> I might wear a nice jacket, Toby. That would be nice. Yeah. Thank gonna, you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm Derek. talking about defiant, but, but but in reality, your style has always been even since the Boston was. You always been horn a stylish section. Guy. No, you've already been a stylish guy. Like dancing in, in guys. No, none of that. But I'm saying the way you dress. even sitting in your kitchen. Yeah, you look fucking great. Yeah. You've oh, thank always, you. You've always had a style. But also, I know you'll see the grumpy photo of me and you stand, sitting on the <laughs> sta stairs. But also, I've never seen your hair. That looks great. I've never seen your hair like that in my life. Like. I've never seen your hair like that the whole time I've known you. I let it grow out. Yeah, it's a different. It's yeah, a, it's I don't have to be on TV. It's a new chapter for you. It's a new chapter. <laughs> no, but you have great hair. I was I was going for mod. Like, okay. Is, is, you think you're gonna push it down the forward in the front a little bit? I tried that in a I, photo. I did see it. <laughs> it looked like a hairpiece. Dude, I saw the photo with your hair. I was like, holy fuck! Yeah. I've never seen you have hair down there. Yeah. And you're you jealous. A, you have a great hairline. Yeah. You're you have, jealous. Yes, because you've I have always been. Jealous. I have hair envy. Yeah. yeah. You have incredible does. hairline. You have great hair. Toby went bald when he was 13. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. I, I remember you all the time going, "Dude, my hair, my hair, my hair." Well, my hair's here. Right. I, I've always had a widow's peak. My grandfather died widow's peak. Yeah. My friends told me I was bald, so I shaved my head for 10 years with a Bic razor because they told me I was bald. Shout out to Sick of It All for that, breaking my balls. Um, but you've always had good style. Anyway, so the, I'm, I'm the Defiant on stage. Say mad style. Mad style. Mad. He's, got, he's, got, he's got mad style. Yeah. So you're not rocking Make hats it more on stage. Toby. You're not, wearing a, you're not wearing like suits on stage and none of that shit. So we tired. I don't chapter. know what I'm going to wear. 
Yeah. I, I've, I've packed a huge suitcase that's sitting. That? Do you bring a lot of clothes like in your suitcase? I think of it because people kind of expect like when yeah. they go out there, oh, this right. Dickie was going to wear it. It's very fashionable. Boston suits. So, so do you think about that in reality? I really? think about it a lot and I always have. And there's that, you know, Laura, Ben's wife, the dancing guy from the Boston's Ben Carr. Shout out to Ben Carr, man. Amazing dancer. Shout out to his yes. wife, Laura, as well. She, um, she was the wardrobe gal for the Boston. Nice. She put stuff together, mm. get stuff, and you know anything I dreamed up. You know whether she thought it was a good idea or not. She'd be like, "Sure, wow, like, yeah." She would she would come up with it and put it together. She was it was a lot of fun and tr- working with her and getting all that stuff done. That's cool. Yeah, and yeah. you did step it up and let let's face it, you guys are way more nicer. Yeah. Maybe like name brand suits. I think so. Yeah, we weren't just <laughs> whipping stuff off the rack, or and we we also weren't in a van and like driving all night in our suits, sweating after a show. Oh, boy, Did yeah, you go to rough. a bus on that record? Or we I don't know. Yeah. I think maybe before it we had a bus because we were out with you and that record wasn't out yeah. there, right? Dude, going from a van to a bus is fucking amazing, man. It's it a is. game changer. Yeah. Like for sleeping all that. Yeah. This is a random question. Ba- I'm back in the van, by the way. That's sick. Back, back to your roots. Van. I like that. Get back in the van, bro. <laughs> Do you ever, I'm actually putting the, putting the gear in the pickup truck I drove up from Arizona. You did. In. Yeah. Did you ever do vocal warm-ups or ever lose your voice? Sometimes, yes. Yes and yes, but not enough. Because the drinking and, and smoking probably didn't help your voice. Wasn't good. Wasn't a great idea. For the yeah. kids out there who want to. It's not a good combo. But no. it also kind of made your voice cool in a sense. I'm not saying that caused it. You've always had a dope voice. Yeah. But people like it when it's beat up. Mm. They do. They like the early style. Like, but you would lose your voice on tour maybe? Uh, the one time I was, it was a New Year's Eve show at um, Toad's Place. Toad's oh Place. Connecticut. I think we were, it was like the first year back from the hiatus. Okay. So we're playing, you know, so we booked, we just did the hometown throwdown, uh, but at the Middle East, so that meant six shows. Wow. And then the yeah, seventh, then we were going to go down to to uh, New Haven, Connecticut, play Toad's Place. And on the drive down, I couldn't speak, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if I have a thing. I, That's you know, scary. could talk yeah. kind of in a low a voice. Feeling. Yeah, I would try to like, you know, do any of the songs, and then uh, it was sort of billed as like Chris Rhodes was from New Haven, Connecticut, so we called it the, like Rhodes Town Throwdown. And uh, yeah. New Year's, Happy New Year's. I went out and said, Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. And then basically just kind of handed the mic to the front row. To sing the whole set. Did some conducting. Did some da- danced a little with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> went back. I was kind of like uh, Max in your kitchen. Went back, made a sandwich, came out. <laughs> somebody was up. Gave somebody my jacket. Here, you wear this. That's the best thing about punk rock, though. You can always get oh, the mic out uh, enough to sing. If you don't- anybody at that show would be like, that was the greatest show ever, man. When you couldn't sing. Yeah, it was a nightmare for me, dude, but okay. Um, Are you nervous about your first show with Defiant? Now I am. Thanks for the pressure, dude. (laughs) I'm sure you're going to kill it. Uh, um, Yes, I am. It's also I haven't done a show in a while. Yeah, what's the last time you've been on stage with a band? Also, there's going to be people out there go, we hate you! They're like, (laughs) fuck them. It's like that any band. Every band gets that. Boston's never did. Maybe online, you don't know. Who fucking knows? Wow. Man. Strong words. Have a, yeah, that's strong words. But every, 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 that's the thing with the internet. Everybody so has, everybody has seen an opinion. Us play yet. But what, All right, that? give us a song. Yeah. All, right. All right, we'll give you a song. <laughs> when's the last time you were on stage? Ah, Toby, life's a stage for me, my friend. But last time playing live music. I feel like I've just been on stage for the last two hours. <laughs> Say it again. October 13th. October 13th. October 13th. That yeah. was the last show. Yes. 
What, what year was that? Where was I? Highwire. Oh, and Highwire, yes. We played on the Highwire October 13th with the with the Defiant. But we've also okay. played, we played in Nashville together. Okay. We've practiced. We were, were uh, we sound good together. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, the songs yeah. are really great, really catchy, I and mean, it's fucking, it's a solid record, man. All right. I don't want to disappoint you, Tobe. We've been through a lot together. No, I'm not kidding. No, it's really great. I'm serious no, when no. I say that. Dude, you've never made a record that I didn't think, I don't think you made a bad record, unless you think you have one in your career. Is there a record that stands you, out to you? And then you'll say it. No, is there a record that stand out? You like? Oh, no, that I love record? them all. That's what I'm saying. I love yeah, them all, man. And that's the way we thought about it. That's the kind of band we were. The way we worked was, you know, this is these are a collection of songs that are going to live together, and they, and this is the statement we want to make right this minute. So, I think a lot of times people assumed, you know, the majority we have a we have a core fan base that actually investigates every record and listens to it so so but there's a lot of people that go ah you know i heard the boss tones i don't need to hear this i don't and assume but we've we've never been doing that we haven't just been making let's face it over and over again no you haven't we try to kind of reinvent the wheel or you know make things sound different or explosive because it just wouldn't be fun for us yeah for me and joe to do it that way and that's the way i've always operated so with this new thing it's like you can't kind of write it off you can't just go oh it's just gonna be another right. boston's right now it's like all right it's now all, it. all yeah. brand new everything yeah all brand new so it affords me the you know extra listeners that are gonna go well before i hate on it i should at least hear it right and, you know and then and when i hope they, they will and then once they do did you did, did you feel pressure after let's face it to make a hit record because you had that success i didn't feel the pressure there was pressure i guess from the label I didn't, I didn't feel i think yeah i yeah. think that we got very kind of comfortable used to going we're going to make the exact record we want to make and we made pay attention and we made it in in uh uh made it a farm out in uh somewhere on the a new farm York. yeah it was this wow. pretty famous farm that rolling stones made records at and stuff oh, who's the singer of that band <laughs> i know check check with my publicist <laughs> um i don't know <laughs> no one important that's gonna be the thing for now oh, yeah. um dickie do you have any major regrets in your life um pizza hut <laughs> yeah um. i didn't sell out the way i should have <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Derek. <laughs> America's funniest home videos. videos. I think he should have been in comedy. I think Dickie should have been comedy too. After this, still can. Yeah, still, still it's not too us. late. What right. can I do? You know? It's true. I kind of look at it like I'm on complete borrowed time, and I've gotten so many chances, and I probably shouldn't. I've gotten way further and past, and I should have never really been on TV. And what's this guy doing with the hit song? And why? You know. So it's always kind of. That's how I feel, and imposter, no matter what you imposter say, syndrome. Yeah, I feel like mm. you know, mm. and I think I've written it in lyrics, you know. But uh, so anything I get that comes, my, it's all gravy, you know. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's like I've had a tremendous time, a tremendous life, and enjoyed every single minute of it. And and you know, this is a blessing. I'm working with, you know, that lineup is insane. Yeah, you know, the, those guys that go, yeah. You're still worth it. Yeah, you're you're still we'll, we'll include you in this very talented group of guys. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, Todd's the one who gave me um, Pete's number. Nice. And awesome, I just call man. yeah, call Todd and he's like, it's awesome. Yeah, it's like we're yeah. Fam we're all family, man. It's complete family. We're all family. Love that guy. But Had such a great time. 
when I saw him in Phoenix and you, he played with H2O at the yep. show. So you're going to tell me the whole story of that after. Yeah. But, but it was also your anniversary, right? Yeah, my wedding anniversary. I got That's why I came. You yes. that. Thank yes. you. Right. The mo- most, most incredible moment that night is we're all standing around talking and Rusty talks really whispery like this. And there, and there, was, and there was a ceiling <laughs> so fan above me and Dickie goes, yo, dude. Can you at least talk above the sound of the fan? Because <laughs> <laughs> he was talking so low like this under the fan. You couldn't hear anything about it, though. Um, also, Force Field. You sang on a song that never never been performed live on an FDTW record in 1999. You came out. You sang on it in Brooklyn. Brett Goetz was producing at Coyote Studios. It's Faster an, Than The World? Yep. Record. It's an amazing song, Force Field. People love it. And it's, uh, that was such a great moment to have you part of but a record, also, man. But, but, on but the also, first record. Also, H2O covered the Boston's. Yes, we did. You did. And yes. released it. Yeah, on, on our covers album, yeah. yeah. We did an okay job for you? Tremendous. Thank it's you, awesome. Thank Unbelievable. You. Well, the thing about it is... You and that's a hard to that. one to do, man. I, forgot what song. I know, yeah. you didn't pick an easy one, I that's know. for sure. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> but but you killed it and the thing you can hear on the on the track is how much you guys love us you can yes. feel it like you like these guys mean it and that's that's the no you fucking love thing. i've always loved you you've always, you've always been a great friend to me my band my family you've always been a real one you've always been yourself 100 percent through and through and I, I admire that about you thanks tope you're you're, you're, you're I feel you're, the same way about you're a true you punk and you rocker, know that man. you're a true punk rocker thank you for saying that with great Some hair. people are trying to take that away from me. Doesn't say that to everyone. On the and no, show yeah, nobody, nobody can <laughs> take. <laughs> yo, nobody can take shit from you. Yeah. When you say people, you're talking about strangers on the internet. Nah, you, I don't know. Who and I'm talking and about. anybody's saying shit to your face by anything you're doing. Nobody ever will. And that's the reality. What's on that phone is different than this conversation. Like what you see in life, you can get so much love on Saturday or whatever show you play because people love you and respect you. The internet shit is a bunch of fucking jealous, bitter, hater trolls. Are you going down to, to the show? That. Are you going to be in? Uh, are you going down to Orange County? Are you going to Pennywise? I don't know what I'm doing yet. There's a bunch of things happening this week. I, I always yeah. double book myself. Yeah, you do. I double book myself <laughs> and I, I run myself to the ground, and that's why my son I, does the same thing. He does. Yeah. Surfing. Like Surfing yeah. and women for that and guy, right? <laughs> Surfing. Is that the work. deal? And skating and modeling and, and working and all that shit. And... He's got a model, right? He's doing, he's mo- doing yeah, he's doing yeah. it now. He's what about acting? Now. Can he act? He wants to take classes now. He's in the town, you know? Yeah. If he's you in... live here and look like that, you should be acting, I think. <laughs> what was your last right? real job you clocked in with, with a boss? Who's, let me just ask it. Who, you know, you're, you're, you're a handsome guy, and Uncle Todd is certainly a handsome guy. And, He's got way better does, hair does, than me. Yeah. And Moon's attractive as well. Thank you. Does she? Uh, are there good-looking people in, throughout the family and on her side too? Um, that's a really great question, man. <laughs> think, think of it. I mean, it's a great question you don't want to answer. My mom is my mom's beautiful. Nope. My mom's my mom's a wonderful-looking yeah. woman. Yeah. Uh, my my dad, who I'd seen only a few pictures of, was yeah. a handsome. But all 1950s. kinds of trickles down to Max, right? He's got movie right. star good looks, right? He's got that Morris gene for sure. He's got like, I would yeah. say more Todd's good looks than mine, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Todd, Todd's, the most, Todd's the most handsome out of Todd the three boys. Handsome, he, the, the women used to call Todd, Todd God back in the day. Wow. Did they? Yeah. Todd God. <laughs> Thomas, you know what? <laughs> Thomas getting lots of praise You know what the women episode? used to call me? Know, right? What? Dicky. <laughs> That's a great name though. That's just, I don't know. Um, what, what was your last real job? You had a boss. Clocked, clocked in. Um, probably Jimmy. Oh yeah, it's a clock in. You got to go yeah, that. Right, right. That's uh, true. That's a real and a great boss. So, no, but I can't think that. But l- l- nine to five. Yeah. Uh, what was I doing last? Gosh. Before moving that. furniture, maybe with wow. John, with a, a moving company with Johnny uh, Gatchis, keyboard player for the Boston's. Uh, he's a good guy to move. He's about your size, Derek. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Big guy. And uh, that's probably it, right? 
there was that we in Boston, like it's kids at that time, you know, we were like hacky carpenters and stuff and would destroy your roof. And <laughs> you couldn't really get up there. Get triple, on the job. Triple deckers. You couldn't really check the work out. And it's like, all right, time to pay us. We're out of here. <laughs> are you, are you a handyman now? I know you live in Arizona. I got some skills, but, but not, you know, nothing that, you know, how can musicians can't fix shit? It's so weird. Like I'm I always hiring people. You can like fix the sink and shit like that, plumbing and stuff like that. Or yeah, you know, I take it to a certain level and then I okay. call somebody. But are you watching like YouTube videos how to fix things? No, no, I just go with the skills of enemy. But I acquired over the years. Yes, that I've put to slap together. And you love you love Arizona. I like being there. I'm it's crazy. enjoying that. It's My it's kids love it. Coaster living there. It's so yeah, interesting. It's My kids very love it. Interesting. Yeah. I, I've learned. That. This is the thing I've learned. And I thought, you know, I can't live anywhere but Boston. And I, I, Boston proper, in the city, I thought. And then I bought a house outside of Boston and the country, you know, 40 miles from it. I was like, eh, I can live here. Then I had to move to L.A. to do the TV job. And I'm like, holy shit, I can't live in L.A. There's no way. I'm Boston, Boston, Boston. And then I, I can do it here. Did you love Cali when you lived here? I enjoyed it. The whole thing about it is I'm okay inside myself. You can be mm. anywhere that's not, if that's you're nice. okay with who you are inside. That's a great point, man. And yeah, once you, that is. Once you learn that, plus, you know, if you live on a tour bus with nine other guys, mm. plus, because there's a crew on there, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, in a coffin-style, you know, bed. True. Night after night, rolling to another city. You can, you can be anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point, man. Yeah, so once I figured that out, it was like, yeah. And I can always return. And you know, my mother lives in Boston. My father lives in Boston. How old are they now? They're old people. And they're doing all right. Hanging in there. Hanging in there for sure. That's yeah. awesome. I know you just out there visiting too. My much I yeah. go and watch Celtics games with my father. Oh, that's amazing, man. Text during through every Celtics game. And that's he's thrilled awesome. about the scene. He still is insane about Boston sports. And he's, <laughs> old as dirt but there's like this boston pride thing that's so different than anyone in the whole fucking world it seems it really is it's like almost embarrassing the, but like yeah. every fucking team dude uh, yeah patriots bruins so i know you don't like because he's a sports guy i don't care I about sports yeah but, but I, was that was one pride. thing that Red i actually for some weird reason since cleveland didn't have a hockey team when i was growing up they did have a hockey team called the cleveland lumberjacks back in the day did i don't they? know what happened. was yeah. that an nhl team it could have been for a minute I'm not 100% sure of that, but I know be that they a badass had, name for a team. It's the Lumberjacks, amazing. right? It's lumberjacks. But <laughs> I'm going to get like, a Lumberjacks I don't remember seeing shirt. any Lumberjacks in Cleveland, but anyway. <laughs> That's a hard name. My team was the Bruins back then. I was in fourth grade. I Damn. Who was on the, the who was on the Bruins at the time? Jesus you Christ. That is a good You got a good memory, though, question, though, Who was the player that I was just like gravitating to that was on the Bruins? Jesus Christ. Was, was it the big, bad Bruins or... That was in eighty. So you like three Ray Bork and those guys and like oh, I'm gonna, I'm say, gonna have I'll, to look I'll, at the roster. I'm gonna throw a name right this. now. Okay. I know nothing about sports. Here I know this go. one name. Oh my god! Okay. It might be as bad as introducer. Is it hockey? Or? Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr is tremendous. Yes, greatest hockey Massive. player of all time. Bruins. Uh, some say. say was that right? Bruins. 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 Yes. 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 Number four. Huge. He was from the Big Bad Boom. Bruins. 1972. 19 and uh, at wow. that time I was. Gosh, I was five years old. I could name every Bruin. Wow. That's probably why I have my memory from growing up in there. You know, I have my memory. Yeah, yeah. Shit. Bobby Orr was from the Bruins. He's, that's that famous picture of the guy like airborne. It looks like a stage dive, Toby. Mm. Legend, and he's man. got the, yeah, yeah score. I seen ones like, you went to like in a Converse ad doing a stage dive or something? 
Uh, we were in a Converse ad. Yes, it wasn't taste out. Selling sneakers, and Larry Bird did a did a Converse commercial in the same campaign. Larry wow. Bird, Bernard King, another uh, New York Nick. Right. That's incredible. And man. the Boston's <laughs> did the Chuck Taylors, but Larry Bird did his 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 uh, whatever they were called cons. They, yeah. they call them weapons. I, I never would buy those. I was like totally like I'm not down with these. You didn't like the Converse? Wow. I didn't. I didn't. Jeez. I like the Converse over Nikes. I know you're a Nike guy, right? But the Converse on stage for that many years must fuck up your back. Not the right? not the, not the tennis no, shoes. I like okay, the Larry Bird shoes. shoes. Okay, okay, I like okay. the, the leather ones. But even you jumping around all these years in flat-footed like shoes, you guys had style, but not... Ben's knees are a mess, by the way. I'm sure. <laughs> no, the, the sneaker company said, hey, do you want to be in this commercial? And we said, yeah, we want to. We, we were kids. You we were shocked right. still, for sure. Converse was a shoe, yeah. yeah Think about the Ramones, all they wore was Converse jumping around. Yeah. It's crazy for your knees. Do you want to know why I prefer Converse over Nike? Let's go. Yeah. All right. And, and, and do you call it Nike? Yes. Nike. Yeah. It's called Nike, Dickie. Yes. We call we always call it Nike. <laughs> it's called Introducer. Nike. <laughs> Introducing Nike. Introducing. I knew if Nike. the show went on long enough, you'd get me back. I got you. Go. Always call them Nikes. Nikes are called. That's kind of But hard. anyway, so there was a billboard in our neighborhood in the lofts where we used to live. Me and Joe and bands would play there, and we lived in these warehouses basically. And on the weekends, the companies that actually heated the building, like the people the manufacturers down on the first floor would shut off the heat so we'd be freezing till monday morning when they'd come back and go wow. to work so we were using basically using their heat but we lived in these because we could practice and play and other bands lived there and on the end of the street they had a on the end of the street on our building they had a huge billboard and at one point they put up a swoosh the nike swoosh it's the logo m- yes. logo made out of sneakers Oh. And we were like, oh, man, the whole billboard for the sneakers. So we could just walk down the roof to the end of the street and climb up onto the billboard. We were go down there and get ourselves some sneakers. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Middle of the night, we're up on the thing, pulling shoes off the thing. We like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh and every single one of them was a left foot. <laughs> Couldn't Figures. find a match. Wow. Couldn't find a right foot. And I'm like, these cheap bastards. <laughs> they put pairs up there. What well, sizes were you? Remember, probably it's all different sizes. Uh, yeah. It didn't matter what size because I could only get two lefts. And that's why I didn't fuck with Nikes because you couldn't steal them. I was like, them. I was so mad that they took the time to like, well, somebody's probably going to try to steal them. So Absolutely. let's fuck them up and just put lefties up here. So from that day on, I was Converse man. Damn. Oh, man. What's like, what's like a daily ritual for you? Because I know you gave up coffee. Daily ritual? You're like I got a, the kids. I, uh, but you're on your black tea. I make a cup of black tea, then I make them their breakfast, then they go to school, and then we there's soccer, and there's all, uh, that. all kinds of stuff. You're you involved know, so in all the ones, activities. Ones in, yes, and miss them. I've been away from them now for nine hours, and I miss them. I love that. Do people recognize you in, and the, my wife. in society, like normal people, like civilians? Like- Sometimes every once in a while, and whenever they do and the kids are around, this is what I do. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Kids, <laughs> kids, watch me get my props. Somebody recognizes the old man, Kid, come, Liliana, Clement, come here, come Recognized. on. And they come over like, oh, he's doing this again. So what do you want? You want a picture or a <laughs> autograph? What are you, fans, kids, fans of the old man. One time we were in a, <laughs> not too far from here, we were at an ice cream store in Sierra Madre having ice cream it's me my wife and the two kids and somebody walks by the window of the store 
and I kind of notice him. We're sitting at the only table in the ice cream parlor in, in Sierra Madre. And then all of a sudden he kind of like moonwalks backwards. <laughs> Double take. Double comes back and looks. And then he does a kind of a swing around and comes through the door of the ice cream store. And I've got my eye on him because I'm with the kids and the wife. I'm not thinking much of it. Then goes up to the counter and he starts to like look at the flavor and starts to and then he swings back and like on me. He's like, dude, I saw you in Florida in 1995. <laughs> do you remember me? It was the great. <laughs> <laughs> it was the great. And then of course I go into my kids. Hey, it's fan, 1995. Huh? It was the greatest concert I've, I've been a huge fan ever since. Could you please, can I please get a picture with you? Uh, sure, sure. And the kids are looking at him like, looking at me, looking at him. And like, really? It's like, he's like the fourth most popular member of the family. <laughs> okay, so we'll get a picture with uh, the old man. Yeah, I always make That's a huge awesome. deal. And the kids have seen you play before? The kids love it. The kids were on, uh, Liliana was on Jimmy Kimmel Live with us one time. Wow. We uh, did uh, What the World Needs Now is Love. Yes. Yeah. And that's and uh, what kind wait, of music they into? What do they like? Uh, she's Taylor pretty. Swift? It's weird. My my teacher has a, has a guy who loves seventies music, which is that's what cool. I love too. But uh, her, her teacher, uh, the older one, her teacher uh, plays the band for for the kids. So she's coming home to me. Is like, uh, do you know the song? <laughs> <laughs> do you know the song "The Wait"? I'm like, by the band? And then I give her a huge hug. Oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you like Robbie Robertson, the band. That's awesome. They, uh, yeah, they, all different, across the board, you know, the, they like the soundtrack from Frozen and the. Oh, yeah. You know, That's yeah, a big name. That's a huge But Taylor Swift's oh, huge. Like queen the, for everybody. Uh, kids. Yeah. Encanto. They turn you on to stuff? Like, oh, this is all right? Or no? No, not that much. You know, not so much. <laughs> yeah. No, listen to the poppy stuff now. I can't. The new Taylor Swift song, I can't. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. This has been great, dude. It's I been really awesome. Know. Tobe, I love you so much. I love it, you too, words man. cannot explain. And <laughs> I'm it, so happy we did this, dude. I, but you know what the thing about it is, Toby, if we don't see each other for a year, goes by a couple of years. That's real by, friendship. We see, it's real friendship. 100%. And it's always like that. Last always, time I saw dude. you was probably Arizona. 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 Yeah, Arizona yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But. You know, they welcome in family, every all that. It's, it's always just, been like you. It's bro- been that way. We've been brothers since we met, man. We hit the ground running. We yeah, pulled our, up. Our, you know, always been a, a great human in my life and my family's life, and it's awesome to have you here finally in my kitchen. I know you like don't like doing podcasts and talking, <laughs> but you have a great record out right now. I put it off for so long. It's I like know, oh, that's yeah. okay. You must have been heart must have been broken. It's like, okay. This dope is. I know. I know how to deal with it now. I don't take anything personal. People are busy. People don't like doing podcasts, but. You're promoting a great record to define. I just said if he That's gets the here. right co-host, I'm on. <laughs> Boom. <I'm> always, <laughs> he didn't know That's I, why I was waiting he, to hear. He Love you guys. He didn't even know I had a co-host today until I fucking saw him. <laughs> oh, like, oh, listening hey. all um, along. I've been to every episode. Let me make sure I fucking have all my shit. You're not listening to new bands and shit like New Harker, but do you listen to new music? you pay attention? Not uh, really? Not as much as I should. The thriving. The scene's crazy. Right is it? Now. It's thriving, right, Dad? It is. We've got all kinds of shows. Is it sanctioned? Are you giving it the okay? Dude, it's, it's definitely giving it's it the most. It's, it's everything Ben sang about. Who do you guys tour with? It's actually your happened. band tour with? Um, do you guys I, pick the openers? We, Good question. 
That is a good question. Probably not, because I, yeah. I never played with him. Wait, well... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we uh, would you consider like the, the defiant? The, 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 exactly. I mean, we're just, you know, it depends on, uh, they give us a list of bands, and a lot of times I'll go through the list. Yeah. A lot of my bandmates aren't really in, they're just like, whatever, we don't really care. Is it democracy? Back, you get to actually all choose the band? I mean, a lot of them don't, they're yeah. just like, whatever. But I mean, back in the day, we, we really picked the bands that we wanted. And nowadays, you know, like you said, it's like, I don't know who's new or whatever. Right. And so we... We go with like, we kind of trust our management. They're like, oh, this band would be good. But now I, I'm really into trying to pick out the bands that I want to tour with. So. Yeah, that's cool. And bands that I've seen that we have some type of connection. So it's a mix. I'm going to get my bands on that list. Oh, man. For sure. Our would... drummer would be so stoked to tour with you. <laughs> he, probably, he, so he probably loves your tour. drummer because oh. he's got an incredible drummer, man, uh, in the band. Yeah. He would love it. But <laughs> I, like the, I like seeing bands, you know, like, a mix, you know. I don't I, like, and I don't say that like I wouldn't. I would hate it, but my drummer would <laughs> <laughs> be a nightmare for me, dude. You're but oh. <laughs> I love your honesty. I didn't mean that. I did <laughs> but not. I do. I do love how div- diverse your bills were. Yeah, and it kind of opened but, my mind and a hardcore band to play with more diverse bands because of opening up for you and seeing to win over the audience who nothing about us. I love that challenge. But you already had that in you. You you were A to Z. You know, you're the guy that proudly love madonna you there's no shame there's never like you know i had thank you you know i mean when you came to see uh justin bieber like for my uh, son because you wore yeah, a shirt yeah, it was for he him was a believer he was a believer yeah. but he was a believer but uh, was a believer. but you also said to me dude he's good yeah uh, you know got good songs you call it what it what it is i have a katie perry tattoo i love all i love all types of music you know, he wouldn't have gotten to where he was if he wasn't good Honestly, no. mm. I mean, he's extremely talented. Now we're talking about Bieber. And, yeah. and he was a nice guy. Yes. And he come through that show. The yes, man. Super nice to heard your kids. Grew up on YouTube, actually. Yeah. I know. Pretty interesting, yeah. yeah. You, you've met a lot of people coming through Kimmel, too. You probably met, maybe opened your met mind even more working there, meeting other people from diverse oh, parts yeah. of true, music. but I think, I think we'll put that in part two. No, nah, for sure, yeah. I know. I think once we nah, start talking about Justin Bieber, we've run out of things <laughs> <Yeah>. to say. <laughs> It up. I didn't bring up the beats. I did. You're, oh. Yeah, your son's a believer. Yeah. Let me, say, let me say one thing then. There was a moment on stage during Kim where Prince is like an arm away from my wife. My wife is reaching out to grab Prince's ass. I told him. <laughs> and we have a picture of Prince from behind. Rest in peace, Prince. I have a tattoo of yeah. on my ass. I love you, Prince. But my wife was going to pinch his butt because he has such a cute butt. But we have a photo of Prince on stage wow. from behind. It's pretty Can sick. I see that? Scandalous. Sure. I want to see that, and I want to hear about what happened in Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. We Jenny gotta... Wyman, thank you for being here. I fucking love you. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Jenny. The best. No, Rolling Stone's number one fan. And, um, <laughs> the band, the not band. the magazine. Yeah, we covered everything. So the Defiant have an Instagram. They have a website. They can they can contact you. You respond to people. Yes. You can get yes. merch. Yeah, get merch. Do you respond okay. to people on social media through the accounts? you talk to people? I do. I do. So you, you're active on there, so people can I'm reach out to you I'm active on there. I get on there, uh, yeah. Good, sure. Okay, why not? There was a moment where this is, a, and I, 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 I never care if you ever follow me again. Back in the day when I was on Instagram, Dickie said I, I was following you, kid, but you post too many sneakers. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care about <laughs> your sneaker see. connection. And that was back then. That was way back then. Anyway, but you laughed. I know. I love you, my yeah. brother. But now that you know, because all those left foot sneakers, why I don't want to see yeah. all those Nikes. The Nike hate. <laughs> oh well, last question. Do you have an impact unit tattoo? Yes. That's what. I, some, yeah. Somebody emailed me. I said you're going to be the part. Ask him if this is a true story. If he has the logo tattooed on him somewhere. Yeah, I yeah. do. Okay, cool. Yes. Okay, I love you. Love you too. Bye. 
I've always loved sweets. That's why I have um, a thousand gold teeth and had cavities my whole life. But I always loved cookies. And being a vegan and being gluten-free, it's extremely difficult to get a cookie that actually tastes good. Most of those cookies are super, super dry. Until I found Maxine's Heavenly, uh, you probably see me post about them. They're incredible. They're gluten-free. They're vegan. They're made with no refined sugars. You can get them in Whole Foods, Sprouts, Walmart, Amazon, Maxine's Heavenly. Com. And if you're in L.A., you get my favorite restaurant, Green Tables, carrying them. Um, you can also, if you're in L.A., get Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Chow Now. Super, super great company. Amazing people working there. The cookies are insane. I can eat a whole bunch of them. Not like you're supposed to. But I don't feel groggy and like bloated and I have that sugar crash. And every month, you should sign up for the mailing list because every month you get exclusive flavor drops. And the cookies get delivered right to your house. So... Shout out to Maxine's Heavenly, my new sponsor. I have a cookie sponsor. I can't believe it. How old am I? I'm 53 and I'm promoting cookies because I love cookies still. I'm a big kid. Vegan, gluten-free, no refined sugars. If you listen to the Travis Barker episode, me and him talked about our love for Maxine's Heavenly's as well. Great cookie. If you're a vegan and you're gluten-free, there's no other cookie to have. Maxine's Heavenly. Go to MaxineHeavenly.com. Go to shop. Use my code OLLC and get 25% off your first order. That's 25% off your first order. Go to MaxineHeavenly.com. Use my code OLOC. Enjoy. These cookies are straight crack. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out. Swiped the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm looks like a big black blob. It's now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use tobyh 20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 removal treatments done, 100 locations, U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology, cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out.